This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, 2nd of June. Well, I tell you, it's going to take some miracle, isn't it, to get rid of the weather outside this morning. Dreadful. It's freezing cold, a bit of drizzle in the air, and there's a wind as well. And they go, there's a heat wave coming. I wish it had arrived today. I'm not really bothered about the heat, because I shall just hibernate for the duration. Uh, then there's the dog thing. Do you know, I don't think they're worrying about it at all. I don't believe the stories that Simon Cowell is going to order an investigation. I don't believe it. I bet at the moment he's sitting there going, do you know, it's so easy to get loads of publicity. We always knew there were two dogs. They've already been on the programme. So one of them can't do walking on a wire, so you put the other one on there. Makes perfect sense to me. But they're making such a big deal, you'd think one of them had killed somebody. But it hasn't. It's LBC, all of that and more. Between now and 6.30. We found the LA Dream Mansion... Uh, unfortunately, you won't be able to afford it. It's way, way out of your price zone. Uh, the Badger protesters are targeting Sainsbury's over the milk sales. I think they've managed to get, is it um, Cafe Nero to change as well, going in there saying, do not buy milk from any farms that come within the area where they do the Badger cull. And now they're going to target Sainsbury's. Oh, Lord above, honestly, where will it all finish? Um our own brand goods as good as the real thing. So, in other words, when you see it on the television, you've seen the adverts where they say, I like this tomato ketchup, and they put up the price of it, which is Heinz, and they say, but I like this one. And so what they've done, they've done a taste test with all the looky-likeish from all the supermarkets, because there are so many supermarkets who are just blatantly copying somebody else's product. The difference is they can't copy it exactly because that would be plagiarism. So what they do is they sort of get the nearest to it. And because it's cheaper, you go for it. But does it taste the same? I don't know. All I know is that I do and have bought into Heinz. Heinz tomato ketchup, Heinz tomato soup. Uh, None of these things taste the same. Hellman's real mayonnaise. Nothing tastes like Hellman's real mayonnaise. Nothing tastes like bird's eye beef burgers. Nothing tastes like uh, fish fingers. You know, nothing. They've all got the individual taste, but you buy into them, don't you? You know, we bought into daddy's sauce, okay sauce and all these other things. Sure, there are, there are copycat items out there, but do they taste the same? I've always thought they don't. And that's why I'd rather go with the main ones, I like the taste of Heinz tomato ketchup. To me, it's very tomatoey. The others might be just as tomatoey. I did try once the Waitrose one. It was horrible. It was too vinegary. So I thought that that was out there. And then I just went back to the original thing. You're not really saving that much if you start shopping around. You go to Iceland and places like that. Um, also, the uh, the smoker's toddler taken away for adoption because the kid will grow up with a hacking cough. I mean, it's only young, isn't it? So it's sitting there <coughs> wheezing and everything else because the parents smoke. I often think parents who smoke in the car with the children, you know, should have the children taken away from them immediately. I did feel a little bit sorry for uh, the fact that Malaysia Airlines has gone techli- technically bankrupt. I say only moderately sorry about that. And uh, sitting down is bad for you. The advice now is if you've got a job where you sit down, stand up. For at least two hours. So for the duration of this programme, we'll all have to stand up, I suppose, won't we? But it can be done. Do you remember that programme on the telly, uh, Night Caller, I think it was called? And it was a, an American jock. And he walked around the studio talking to callers. How he managed it, I'll never know, because he wasn't wearing headphones. And presumably the sound came through the system. And he was just, it must have sounded ghastly for them the other end. And he used to do this programme. He's going, just remember, 
sleep well out there, Miami or wherever it was, San Francisco. I can't remember where it was. But uh, I remember thinking, it's not at all likely that, is it? Not at all likely. I preferred Eddie Shoestring, because he was in a radio station down in Bristol. That used to make me laugh. I used to think, gosh, a commercial radio station down in Bristol. How sweet. And then, and then I came back to Earth when I saw the pictures in the paper of a dust cart in, um, in Brazil. It is. It's caused absolute outrage. And you can well imagine why, when I tell you this horrendous story, that the dust cart mounts the pavement and runs over the back legs of a dog. So the dog is now in agony. Does he pick it up and take it to a vet? No, he doesn't. He puts a chain round its neck and he drags it, because it can't walk. It's in excruciating pain. He drags it along the pavement, picks it up, and throws it in the back of the dust cart. And you know the dust carts have got those things that compress all the rubbish. So by the time they get the other end, the dog is dead. And in Brazil, where life and animals seem to be fairly cheap, there's been outrage. People are calling for a sacking. People are calling for, you know, I mean, some people even calling for even worse measures. Even worse. I can't understand. I've never quite fathomed out how somebody could ever do that to an animal. How somebody could ever do that to a child. There was a case in the paper the other day, and it cropped up on the telly again this morning, of a couple who starved their two-year-old to death and physically abused beat him. And you think, how can people... I don't understand how people can ever do that. I don't understand how people could ever get away with it. Well, they didn't because they got caught. But then how come the doctors and the social service people never notice anything? And the answer is they don't. They appear to either be blinkered or they're not looking for the right things that the rest of us appear to be looking at. It's terrible, really. Uh, Danny Cohen, he's the boss at the BBC. He says, if licensed cheats escape court, he will axe programmes. He hasn't actually named which programmes he's going to axe, but he's quite clearly got the bit between his teeth and he's decided that if he doesn't get his own way, that he will start axing programmes. I'm not too sure, really, what sort of programmes you could axe. on. Just because somebody goes to court over not paying the licence fee and then they say, well, you know, unless you actually get... I don't think they're looking for jail centres. They're looking for their money back. What they're looking for is that, you know, if somebody doesn't pay the licence fee, there's supposed to be people who come round and go, you've not paid the licence fee, you know, we know you've got a television... The old excuse used to be years ago, I only use it for watching recordings back on video or DVD or whatever it happens to be. I'm not actually physically watching television. I think they should abandon the licence fee. I really do. I think they should abandon it completely. They're constantly telling us it's our BBC. Well, let's abandon the licence fee. Let's do a vote. I'm sure if we did a vote this morning, we would call for most people saying, let's abandon it. You know, everybody else takes adverts in. The BBC seem to run adverts all over the place. I mean, I've noticed, have you noticed in the Big Brother house... Not that anybody's watching it at the moment. It's so disastrously awful. Do you remember that pathetic waste of space who thought he was Mr Show Business? What a dullard. What a dullard. Sits down there saying nothing. He's quite clearly a very nasty little piece of work. No no personality, no nothing. Bland. Then you've got an Irish guy in there who's... I'm assuming he's in there as some sort of joke. He's so pumped up from the gym, he just looks ridiculous. He's got tattoos. He's sort of, it's this, it's that. Yeah, I'm going to take the mickey out of you. And I'm going to do this and do that. And one of the other girls in there is obviously used to people throwing themselves all over her. He's not doing it, which means, of course, he really is. He's just playing some sort of game. But they're all, there's something the matter with them all. They've all got issues in their mind. They don't seem to have one, do they? But the other day, they were all drinking soft drinks. And there was a paper cover around each one, so you couldn't see what the soft drink was that they were that they were drinking, lest it be seen as advertising, which I thought was very interesting. I thought that was very interesting because if if you sort of look at uh, at some of these 
things on the television, and then you uh, you sort of think, oh, I know what that is. It's like when you when you watch something on Blue Peter, and they're making something, you know damn well what it is. They'll go, oh, you go, that's a cornflakes box, or that's copy decks. You know, you know what all these things are because you've seen them a million times. So when they try and disguise them, it just makes it worse. I mean, they never make any attempt on Blue Peter. You can't, you know, you look at these things and you go, I'm sure that's actually Copydex. I'm sure that's a box of cornflakes. And that's definitely fairy liquid. And yet over on Big Brother, obviously somebody's carpeted them and said, uh, well, you know, you should um, you should cover these things up because otherwise if they seem to be drinking a certain brand of fizzy drink, that's going to be that's going to be an advert, isn't it? That's going to be an advert, and that's what people do. It was a bit like that celebrity wedding. You know, Michelle Keegan, huge actress in this country, ladies, huge actress. They had no less than 38, 38 um, endorsements from different companies. 38 companies had given them stuff for free. Oh, by the way, actually, there is a problem on FM. And some point... Oh, is it back up now? Oh, right. Yeah, it went down for about 30 seconds. They were just changing some little things over. So uh, it's uh, it's fine. It's fine now. It's all back up to normal. Uh, Steve says, Phil, stand up when working. I wonder if that applies to bus and taxi drivers. I think you could drive a bus standing up, don't you? Taxi drivers would be slightly different, difficult unless you had a sort of a sunroof at the front. I, I can't actually see that that would be working at all. But uh, And then the uh, the woman, everybody talking about this uh, this woman who lowered the window to take the picture of the lion. Uh, she goes over there. They're given a brochure when they go into this safari park in South Africa. And they say, don't open the windows. Don't open the windows. I wanted to get a picture of the lion. Don't open the windows. You know, there's, ev- there's even a drawing, you know, with don't open windows. It's done for, you know, people who can't read. Mind you, of course, if she'd been blind, perhaps that might have not helped, but she wasn't. And she was an American tourist. And she goes there. And, of course, lions are curious. Lions are curious. And if ever you've seen a lion close up, if you look at the size of its paws, I mean, they are the size of dinner plates. And once the claws come out, bearing in mind, these are the claws that can hang on to the side of hippopotamuses and can cling on for grim death. And so when this woman lowers the window, the lion thought, oh, an invite. It's obviously meals on wheels. And here's mine. So the lion got into the car. You can imagine. You can imagine. I mean, you would absolutely be, you know, it would be your worst experience. So the, the driver tried to hit the lion, which, of course, lashed out with its paws, because it would do. That's what they do. They used to, you know, they're not, the lion's not going to sit there and go, oh, hit me as much as you like. It's not. It's going to lash back with its paws. And of course, its paws have got these razor-sharp claws. Razor-sharp, where they come out. They're like, they're about the length of your finger. These things, I say, you, you, you know, they can climb trees. I'm not going to worry about a little bit of flesh on somebody's body. Anyway, they dragged this poor woman out and that was uh, that was the last of her. A little bit of a lesson there. I remember when we used to go through Windsor Safari Park years ago and they'd say it, it wasn't so much the lions we were worried about, it was the monkeys. The monkeys would rip the trim off the car. They'd take the aerial, they'd take the rubber from around the window. God, blimey. They'd take the windscreen wipers. I mean, there wasn't much they didn't take off a car. You could actually effectively have the uh, the car stripped just by driving through, so I never went. I thought it was a lot easier not to go, actually. It's a lot safer for the car, as far as I was concerned. So, the Britain's Got Talent story, and, um, as I say, I reckon Simon Cowell will be rubbing his hands with glee. You know, they say, even the boss fooled by Star's dog's double. I don't know why, we've already seen them both on there. Why would we think that, it, that he hadn't seen it before? I was watching the programme the other week, and we saw both dogs on there. 
And there were ants and deck talking at the end. I mean, was it Stephen Mulhern? Whatever it, whatever it was, we've already seen two dogs. One is called Chase and one is called Matisse. And so they now, he's been conned by a fake Matisse. Not really. They've just put the other dog up on this, this wire. I frankly think it's running out of steam. I think it really is running out of steam. You know, I don't want to see somebody dressed up as a policeman with a dog that rolls over and can walk on a wire. There are police dogs who can do this. You know, they get trained. Police dogs can walk on wires. They can jump over walls. They can do all sorts of things. All this thing is doing is, is the same as everybody else. It's like hypnotists, isn't it? They always do the same thing. OK, I'm going to... And you're back and you're under. And I want you to look out and everybody in the audience is naked. OK, eat this apple and... Uh, well, if I eat this onion and think it's an apple. And so people do that. OK, now look at the person next to you. They are start naked as well. It's the same thing every time. It's the same thing every time. And the same with sort of the dog act. Matisse apparently was too scared to do the tightrope trick. And then angry viewers of sort of, you know, somebody here called Michael Ward. Cheating the public should be disqualified. Britain's got talent, no integrity. One called Julian. Britain's got talent must have been in on the deception, as they had plenty of chance to tell us. Somebody called Neem says, absolutely fuming, I voted for that dog. Are these people really simple? <laughs> there was no secret stunt dog. We've seen them before. We've seen them before. I mean, there was a finale with Skippy in and then they just swapped and they just put Chase on there because Chase can do the walking along the wire bit. I don't actually see that. What are they going to do? Cancel it now? <laughs> the hell they are. They've got more publicity out of this than you can shake a stick at, ladies and gentlemen. Seriously. Seriously. I don't know. They aren't, they aren't worrying about it at all. Not worrying about it. For some reason, I can't open any emails this morning. I don't know why. We're having great fun here. Not, uh, not working. I don't know why. Perhaps we'll have to sort of reboot the system. Can't open up an email for love nor money, but I can tell you the time. It's just gone quarter past four. This is LBC. Nick Ferrari and the team this morning. A two-year-old boy has been removed from his parents due to them smoking indoors, but is it fair? Nick speaks to a mum of two who smokes 20 a day. She says being a smoker doesn't make you a bad parent. No, it probably doesn't, but it does if you smoke around your children. That makes you a bad parent. And have you heard of breast ironing? I saw this on the television last night. I'd never heard of it. It's the physical abuse of young girls to prevent them from developing breasts. And apparently it's happening right here in the United Kingdom. Nick will be with you and the team at seven this morning. After the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Uh, a friend of mine, Jonathan, says Simon Cowell is in charge of every decision on that show. Even out what everybody wears. He and all the team would have known all about it. Of course they would have done. Not not one thing happens on that show that Simon doesn't know, but it's his programme. He owns it. His company owns it. Every single act on there is signed to Psycho. You can't just wander off and do things by yourself. They're all signed to Psycho. He will see this as great publicity. So she's got another dog, one that can tightrope walk and one that can do something else. Jonathan says next people will be complaining the bloke with the lemon with a hole in it wasn't really magic. They have. They've started complaining about that one as well. This is Jamie with his bill in lemon. And, uh, and there were pictures in the, in the paper yesterday. You know, the lemon had a hole in it so he could push the note through. And people say, well, it's not magic, is it? I thought, what do you expect, fairy dust with it or something? How else? You know, it just, just makes me laugh that people are so incredibly naive. I didn't realise that the standard of people who watch shows like that are really low. I thought they'd be sort of A-pluses, but they turn out to be Zs, most of them. You know, it's like a sort of... I don't know. I was trying to think the other day of something. You know, somebody, you know, says, pick a card. And you pick the card and he goes, three of clubs. And you turn it over, it's three of clubs. They go, well, that's magic. And then somebody goes, he forced a card on you. 
And they go, did he? Well, that's not magic. You're never supposed to know how magic works. Why would you want to ruin the effect? You know, Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, was the prime example of how an idiot behaves. Because of his religion, and he liked magic, he would show you a magic trick and then he'd tell you how it was done. A bit like the masked magician who most people wanted to hang because he was so useless. You know, showing you years out of date things on the television. But people are fascinated, aren't they? Got really big audiences in America and then they repeated it over here and people were going, gosh, so that's how that magic trick is done. I mean, <laughs> it's like jugglers. How'd you do that? You know, and then the ball stuck in his nose. Copy decks. How else? How else? I don't know why people are so funny about it. So there was another dog on the programme. You're telling me that the backstage staff didn't notice there was another dog sitting there waiting? Of course they did. So it's contrived. They know exactly what was going on. And we've seen the dog anyway. We've seen the one. Because I remember thinking, oh, there's two that look the same. And then one started sort of pouring the ground. I thought that'll be next week's trick, won't it? She's obviously teaching them in advance. And, uh, and you just bring different... And it wouldn't surprise me if we've had one of the dogs being substituted on already. She doesn't exactly call it by its name. She just gives it certain movements and, and the, the creature goes into its, into its routine. So I'm not particularly, uh, not particularly bothered by it. I just see it as Simon Cowell going, do you know we've managed to make the front page of all the papers? Let's try and act outraged. What are they going to do? Having awarded it, uh, it to, the, uh, to the dog, you know, because the, the British public have, an, uh, have an, uh, an affinity, don't we, with sort of performing pay. I did say, you know, how about cats? Cats doing things, rolling over. You never find a cat that will do that. I've yet to see it. Or phoning that seals, that'd be quite nice. But as a couple of people have pointed out to me, everybody at home is trying to train their pet to do something, you know, so that you can put it on the television. Robin says everybody will be training the pets ready for uh, for next year's Britain's Got Talent. Hashtag crazy people. They are, aren't they? But it's a circus act. Bridget will tell you that, you know, the length and breadth of the land, because they did away with wild animals in circuses, not abroad, but uh, over here... It's a case of they've got, you know, all these people training animals up. So you've got budgies, Norman Barrett with his great budgie act. And then you've got dogs that play football, dogs that sort of balance, dogs that do on the wire. It's exactly the same stuff. Circus acts. It's as simple as that. It's ridiculous. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk. Lovely picture of Victoria Beckham in her famous dark glasses. Because we know what she looks like without them now. It's quite, quite disturbing. It was the other day looking at Bluebell, Jerry Halliwell's daughter, who wasn't pixelated. I've recommended she's always pixelated. I think it makes it a lot easier. Uh, the boy, age two, put into care because his mum and dad smoked too much. He was found in a visible cloud of smoke, put up for an adoption the other day. I shouldn't imagine they're particularly bothered, are they? They're particularly bothered about things like that. I mean, I, I speak as somebody who has been a smoker, but I would never smoke around my godchildren. I haven't smoked for years now, years and years and years. But uh, this uh, boy had already been prescribed an inhaler when she saw him asleep on the uh, the sofa. And she said uh, the squalid house is one of the uh, the smokiest she's ever seen. She said even I had difficulty breathing. So they put him up for adoption. He's two, so he's not going to know anything, is he, really? I wouldn't have thought so. Uh, Chris down in Bristol. Just finished my nights and yet again awake. And I thought maybe it's 4am and it was. And uh, I thought... Who cares? I can't sleep. I shall listen to Steve Allen, as I have done for the past seven days, chuckling away to myself, praying the boss doesn't come in to complete his checks. Blue Peter. I used to have all the annuals. And um, so that's actually... They're probably worth money, aren't they, I should imagine? Are they, are they worth money, all these things nowadays? I don't know. I suppose they uh, they might be. If you've actually collected them all, 
Good. He said, anyway, and I were, I loved listening to the trains yesterday. What have happened to the stories of steam, the great days? People have something to moan about then. He's, he's working in a prison, by the way, and so I just thought, thought I'd let you know, just in case you wondered where he was coming from. Uh, Steve says, uh, Malcolm, if I was complaining about a fake dog, it'd be the one with the ventriloquist, which had the fake mouth. Yeah. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Why would you complain about, you know, a dog that looks the same, but it does different tricks to the other one? I see this as fantastic publicity for Britain's Got Talent, and I think that uh, Simon Cowell will be phoning up everybody on the team and going, brilliant, brilliant. Only when it all finishes in years to come will somebody write a book and then they will tell you the truth about the programme, how it was all, they knew in advance who was going to go through, they knew in advance who was going to win, they knew everything. And that's how it works nowadays, isn't it? That's, that's it. That's it nowadays. But, except the fact they're making a TV programme. They're making a TV programme. And if you make a TV programme, you're trying to get an audience for it. It's no good sort of going on and going, oh, she's going to bring another dog on now. No, they just go ahead with it. What difference does it make? I mean, where, where do you think that, that story got leaked from? Come on, you can't be that naive, please. Uh, the Army Reservist from the paper today, Lance Corporal Craig Roberts, Lieutenant uh, Corporal Edward Marr and Corporal James Dunsby, 24, 31 and 31, collapsed and died whilst doing a 16-and-a-half-mile yomp. They were in the Brecon Beacons uh, two years ago. The test involved 78 soldiers carrying 49 pounds. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen these programmes. They take them out there on the moors, blazing heat, sometimes freezing cold. I've seen them when they're, when they're training some of the soldiers. That's why. What, what do you think uh, Prince Edward couldn't do it for? Get up at what time? Uh, you're getting up at four in the morning. You what? I don't think so. Carry what? No, 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 we have people to do that for us. Uh, you, can you carry my bag for me? And so he he opted out of that one because it was far too butch and he didn't manage it very well. But the other ones go out there. And in the heat, when you're wearing your combats and you've got 49 pounds on your back, you know, it is possible to get heat stroke. And that's exactly what happened here. These uh, these lads, and I call them lads because it's, it's an SAS test, and uh, they had to carry it. Uh, somebody said, why didn't they, you know... Um, stop it why didn't and they said because of the paperwork we were so angry not only we just seen our beautiful boy lying in the mortuary but now we were being told that the march wasn't cancelled because of too much paperwork i mean it's, it's really terrible really there was another royal marine recruit who died on thursday he was doing a 30 mile dartmoor yomp he had a heart attack because you know they might be physically fit but sometimes there is a you know something in you which can trigger something off so for three to die on the same route march they're not going to change it though that's what amazes me I thought they might have done. And they'll say, well, we're actually breeding tough soldiers. We're breeding, you know, people who know exactly what the word tough is. They've got to carry their kit. I've seen them at one time. They took them up onto Dartmoor, middle of winter. Got them up, I think, at three in the morning outside, absolutely tipping it down. And they do, um, they do press-ups in the freezing cold in their pants. Funny place to do press-ups. Old gag, but there you go. And, uh, and the next thing, they take them up onto Dartmoor. And then they have to strip off completely, and go through a lake which is up to their shoulders, carrying their backpack above their head. What sort of sadists are they? The answer is the people who are running it are trying to sort of toughen them up. I'm not actually sure whether or not that's the uh, the right way to do it. It's uh, 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 29 minutes to five. Nice to have you company. Welcome to Tuesday. It's the 3rd of June. I thought you'd be excited. I'm still waiting for this decent weather. I mean, do you think it really is around the corner? Do you think we really do have the heat wave? 
If so, I think I might go and buy some T-shirts. Second thoughts, maybe not. <laughs> T-shirts, I think really on my body, T-shirts would be taking it a little bit too far. There's no point, is there? There's no point. I think if you don't have the body for wearing T-shirts, don't bother wearing them. It just look ridiculous. Just look absolutely ridiculous. But I do need to go and buy some, some shirts in preparation for the sunshine, which I'm hoping is around the corner. And I don't normally hope for sunshine around the corner because I can't bear it at all. I'm, it's the lesser of two evils as far as I'm concerned. I'm not very happy in the cold. I'm not very happy in the heat. But they do say 70 mile an hour storm is going to hit the UK. A month's rain in a day. And actually said, which, oh, it's today. It's going to happen today. Well, it was certainly like that this morning. You know when the trees start bending and you start thinking, oh, my God, it's going to go, isn't it? It's going to go. And so they say a month's rain in a day. Well, that'll be good. Get your buckets out. Start start stockpiling water. I've always maintained the one thing you should do if you're lucky enough to have a house and you've got uh, downpipes, just cut it off with a hacksaw. Go and buy a cheap little hacksaw. Cut it off and stick a barrel underneath. And then all the water that normally goes to waste down the drains, you can save it. In, in, a, in a really good downpour, I can fill our water barrel up literally in, in a matter of an hour. And then we can use it for when those days come that, you know, it's all terribly dry and people are going, there's no water and there'll be a hosepipe ban and a water shortage and everything else. So if there's going to be a storm today and a month's rain in a day, I'd go out this morning and quickly buy one of those water barrels. You might as well. It seems a shame to waste all the water that comes off the roof of your house, doesn't it, really? Uh, other stories which are in the uh, the papers for today. Uh, we found a care con, £40,000 care con. Also, Kim Kardashian, apparently, as we reported yesterday, not only is she pregnant, but they think that this could be the baby. She said this could be the baby. That, in fact, means that she stops her obsession with, uh, you know, me, 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 me. And so she's apparently been seeing a psychic. And uh, she reckons her psychic helped her to get pregnant. She's as mad as a fruitcake, isn't she? Really is. Off her trolley. And apparently, apparently she thanked celebrity favourite John Edward. They're all, have you noticed they're always celebrity favourites? These, they're never just ordinary people, you know. Never just a psychic. It's a celebrity favourite. In other words, it's like, you know, if, if you read Sally Morgan singing, she's going to Australia soon. Good. And uh, she claims to be Princess Diana's psychic. Well, you can say anything you like. Diana's dead. You know, Diana used to regularly go out for cups of coffee with me in the morning. We'd sort of meet up and we'd have a chat and she'd tell me about, you know, what life was like in the in the palace. It's a lie, of course. But, I mean, you can say it because she's dead. You can't. She can't sue. What's she going to do? Come back and go, that is not true, Steve Allen. I mean, she'd phone me up at LBC. She had my private number. I had her private number. I probably still got it in the phone somewhere. I'll tell you who I've got in here. I've got Princess Anne's phone number in here. So, there you go. Don't think anybody can beat that one. I'm trying to get the Queen's. Hello? I think I could manage that one. That'd be quite a nice one. Imagine what you what you talk to the Queen about. She did get caught out, though, didn't she, once? Uh, somebody phoning, I think, was it Australia or something like that? And in the end, she sort of thought, oh, dear, oh, dear. And so they quickly they quickly realised that it wasn't uh, it wasn't the person who they thought it was. Uh, 84850, Steve, at uk. Uh, so the, the, the not sitting down for your job thing is in most of the papers today. And, and it's supposed to be better for you. It's supposed to be better to stand up. It's supposed to be better for you if you stand up. Well, I couldn't do this programme standing up. And what would be the point? Unless I was leaning against the wall. <laughs> it's the 2nd of June Somebody says, stop wishing away the month. I can't wait for Christmas. Can't wait for Christmas. I tell you, I might start writing some cards out today just to really annoy you. I love it when sort of people, uh, 
people say, it's not Christmas yet. It's not Christmas. I've got friends. My friend Ian, who's doing a breakfast show this morning, he doesn't have anything to do with Christmas until Christmas. Live around my way, he wouldn't have any choice. I'd have had the tree up, the deckies up, everything, the presents wrapped things sitting there. You can never have enough Christmas, can you? It's only the act of presents. It's got nothing to do with anything else. It's just the act of giving presents to each other, which I quite enjoy. I think that's uh, that's a good thing. Um, uh, Chase could not have done the walk on the ropes as the dog only has three legs. Has he? He's got, no, he's got four legs. I'm looking at four legs here. I'm looking at four legs. Which one? So it was, it's, yes, he actually did it. I've got, I'm looking at a picture of him. So there you go. Larissa. No, it's, it is Chase. It's up here. It's got, it's Chase. She's admitted it's Chase. What are you calling her a liar? God, blimey. So, uh, anyway, I'm sick of seeing dog acts winning talent shows. Well, we've only had two. I mean, come on, to be fair. Mind you, I'm sick of seeing dance acts. There was one group from Essex where sort of people would... Honestly, it's dreadful now, isn't it? They go, and we're all aged between 10 and 15. And you think, so 15 is the cut-off point now. 15 is the, is the time when you sort of get a bit old. I was a little bit miffed the other day because I'm a big fan of Only Boys Allowed. And, and uh, they nearly won. They nearly won. Britain's Got Talent and the X Factor. and didn't happen for them. But they, they became famous. And then, of course, once you hit 19 in Only Boys Allowed, that's it. You're out. And so there was a, a new video which was put up the other day, and I thought, oh, I must watch that. I didn't know any of the people singing on it. I was a bit disappointed, because I'm so used to seeing them, because you've enjoyed, you know, loads and loads of these uh, people. It's really good. Paulie Manchester says, enjoyed Mr Mulhern's History of Magic. Anita Harris looked great, but sadly no mention of Ali Bongo, but great to see Chan Canasta and Robert Harbin. I think there was a limit to how much they, uh, they could have put into the programme. I think that, that that was the problem, that when you've got a programme about magic, it's a case of who do you put in, who do you leave out? You're always going to upset somebody, aren't you? So because he's of the moment they put Dynamo on there, he's not the best magician. I've seen loads of really, really fantastic magicians that you won't even have heard of, but they're absolutely brilliant. Seriously, absolutely brilliant. And Anita Harris popped up again, and I'm assuming it was a repeat looking at the carry-ons. They had Jim Dale on there and uh, Anita Harris... And various other people, and they were explaining about how the films were made. I thought it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I sort of sat there captivated by it. And then it was followed up by Carry On Cruising, which is, uh, which is wonderful. Absolutely loved it. Uh, Steve, I thought you were talking about the artist Matisse. I was thinking, surely Simon Cowell isn't that daft to buy a fake painting, says Jenny. <laughs> It'd be funny if it was, actually. Actually, I should imagine he probably has got a Matisse. I should imagine. Uh, no problems on the FM band at all now. It literally took them 30 seconds. They just sort of, they just sort of uh, fiddle about with their name. Chi, 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 chi. And that was it. Um, another one here, which says, uh, the dog's story was heartbreaking, but on a lighter note, I was uh, so impressed with Jan Moy's critique of the Britain's Got Talent final in Monday's Daily Mail until I saw the large accompanying picture entitled Jules and Matisse. It was, in fact, Jules holding uh, little Skippy. Specsavers, says Sandra. They do sometimes get things wrong, don't they? They do sometimes get things wrong. Uh, I got a letter from the TV licence people, Steve, saying I need to ring them to let them know I do not have a television, computer or smartphone, all of which I don't have. If I ring them, they said, or if I don't ring them, they're, they're going to get a court order. Yet if I do ring them, they said they'll still have to come round to check. Either way, they're coming round, so I'm going to beat them at their own game. Oh, I like things like that. I told you, a friend of mine, he, uh, he got a call from the, from the gas board. You owe whatever it was, six hundred pounds, six seven hundred pounds. You've not paid it. He said, "I don't have any gas." Listen, we're looking at the bill here. We're going to come round and disconnect you. And so he said, "I don't have any gas." 
And so they said, well, the uh, it's, it's actually gone up now because now we've sort of taken into consideration the uh, the new run and um, and it's now £700. And they said, we're going to come round on Saturday and disconnect you. He said, good, see you then, bye. Put the phone down. They turned up on Saturday, little man from the gas board. He goes in the kitchen, he goes, you haven't got any gas. He said, I told you I didn't have any gas, I'm electric. Never had gas, never had gas. They're all electric in all the flats. And so they went, oh, well, we were convinced you've got gas. He said, I told you three times. I mean, how stupid do some people have to be? Uh, John says, I haven't seen the hole in the lemon trick yet. Is it by any chance similar to a trick where a lemon in a hole in it actually speaks and has his own TV show? Not Keith Lemon. Oh, dear. Well, speaking, he really doesn't. Uh, Anna says, give presents throughout the year. Yes, I agree. You see, I'm, I'm a big fan of just giving presents. I don't think Christmas would just have to be when you sort of put a tree up and that kind of thing. Christine's in Glasgow. The winds have already hit there. Dreadful, she says. Absolutely dreadful. It's not much better down here. Not much better down here. Uh, so 84850, steve at uk. Uh, Rick says, I use spare wheelie bins to store rainwater that goes uh, in. I use the water to flush the loon on my garden. Visitors are allowed flushing rights. I don't expect them to fill a bucket. Yes, I mean, we haven't got a... We don't have, at the moment, we don't have a um, a sort of water ban, but sure as God made little green apples, we're going to be having one later this year. Do you not think so? I think so. I think we're going to be having a water shortage. We go, well, this is ridiculous. Here's a, a lovely... I'm not really a, uh, a fan of um, of art galleries. I don't mind certain ones, but I get a bit bored at the pretentiousness of the whole thing. And uh, here is uh, a model worker. She's a cleaner. She never deserts her post because she's a sculpture. She's one of several by the late Dwayne Hanson, going on show today at the Serpentine Gallery, along with his old couple on a bench. And, and I have a sneaking feeling they are real people. They're just real people who sit there being models. Well, that's what I think it is, I'm not, to be honest with you. I mean, I thought originally perhaps it's a waxwork, that the cleaner never deserts her post because they say she's a sculpture. I don't, you see, I'm, I'm not too sure about this one. I'm a bit confused. It's at the Serpentine Gallery in, in London. Which is very popular. Not for me, though. Not for me. If I want something like that, then I'm going to go to Madame Two Swords and, and probably enjoy it a little bit better. There is the mad story. The mad story today. Out of And it could happen to you. could happen to anybody. This is uh, Dion Russell. Uh, she was trapped in a car park for three hours by gridlock traffic. Uh, Dion left her car in a multi-storey, popped her by some wool, returned well before her three-hour free parking period was up, but a broken-down van brought traffic to a standstill and she ended up stuck in the car park with dozens of other motorists. Took three hours to reach the exit. <laughs> You'd given up by that time, wouldn't you? Three hours. Two weeks later, she got a £70 fine in the post because she'd stayed 15 minutes overtime in the Coventry car park. Finance manager Dion says, I was flabbergasted. I can't believe I'm being punished for getting stuck in a traffic jam. I will definitely be contesting the fine and definitely will not be paying it. The car park firm G24 refused to comment. You know, there'll be somebody there, won't there? There'll be somebody there going, well, I'm sorry, she overstayed her time. We only have her word for it that there was a, a traffic jam. But what do you do if you're doing that? What do you do if you get a flat tyre going, quick, do it quickly, quickly? There was a man the other day, do you remember, trapped under a bus? He was cycling in London and he got trapped under a bus and loads of well-meaning people lifted the bus off him. I thought it was quite remarkable. And, um, and then it turned out he was on a unicycle. On a unicycle in this country. On the street. What a circus act. God, 
Blimey. Don't want things like that, do we? Oh, I'll tell you what was terrible the other day. I turned on the television. I like to flip through in the morning just to see if there's anything interesting. I have a look at Matthew Wright's programme, have a look at the pathetically small audience for it. That's not the ones in the studio. That accounts for just about how big the audience is, which is terrible. And uh, who did he have on? Kelly Maloney. Oh, it's like an open platform for Kelly Maloney to drone on about something she's droned on about for, for ages and ages. Kelly Maloney was Frank Maloney... Uh, he was a, a boxing manager, probably still is a boxing manager, but now is Kelly Maloney. I don't know whether they'll want him in the changing rooms, her in the changing rooms, I'm really not sure. But the interesting thing was I was looking, thinking, well, it's a nice wig you're wearing. And he's had a bit of cosmetic surgery. We know that because he talked about it before, to the point of boredom. And uh, so he's had his eyes done and all the rest of it. It just looks like, to me, Frank Maloney with a wig on. But that's neither here nor there. And the one thing I thought was odd is that when people go through this gender reassignment... The one thing that you've got to get right is the voice. Whereas he still talks like that. He t- you know, which doesn't quite look right. And all I kept thinking was, I was listening to him, droning on. I thought, why didn't they teach you to change your voice? That's what a lot of people do. Tran- transgender people change voices. You don't literally... And because he's got such a sort of blokey voice, he just sounds like a bloke now with a wig on. And I thought, why did, isn't that all part of it? That's what I thought it was anyway. And I know a number of people who have been gender reassigned. And they've sort of learned how to soften their voice. But he's as hard as nails. Doesn't quite sound right. So perhaps they're doing that now. Even, even as we sit here, he's probably going, me, 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 mo, 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 me, 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 mo, 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 mo. I'm trying to make himself sound as sexy as possible. But it's, it's the same old story, you know, and old Matthew Wright just gave him a platform to drone on about it. Like people care nowadays, unless it's some sort of freak show. It makes you feel like that, doesn't it? You're sort of you're staring in from the outside, thinking, "I shouldn't be thinking these things. I shouldn't be thinking. Why does Kelly Maloney sound like a truck driver?" And he's not the he's not the most articulate person in the world, but he never was when he was a bloke and he was a he was a manager of boxers. So uh, now it's sort of changed. He's just exactly the same person, just with a bit more makeup on. It's uh, fourteen minutes to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, 12 minutes to five. You all right this morning? Uh, before you go out, if you've got hair that takes a lot of hairspray, I'd use even more hairspray this morning. Margarita says, I'm glad it's just not me who feels about the same of uh, Kelly Maloney. Love the show. It's, it's just the fact that it's boring. It's just dull. I can remember every time they've had um, a sort of a gender reassignment person in the Big Brother house. They can't wait to tell everybody. They can't wait to tell everybody. There was one which was, I think, woman to man. And, you know, I knew straight away, straight away. But no, we left it. And then she decided, he decided to sit down with the rest of the house and say, actually, you know, I used to be a woman. And they were so thick. They went, oh, no. Wow. You know, (laughs) I watched that. Was it four in a bed, five in a bed, six in a bed? And they had on uh, Julia Grant, who's become a very bitter person nowadays, (laughs) quite bitter. She was bitter before. I interviewed Julia Grant on LBC. She was the first one that the BBC did a programme about the sex change. She was working as a DJ, then she had a sex change, then she had to move out of the flat because people poured petrol through the letterbox and it all became a bit messy. It's because people insist on telling you. So when they go on Big Brother, didn't we have uh, the Portuguese who was on there, who was another one, who won? Who won? And people sort of... You must obviously be fascinated by it, otherwise they wouldn't keep putting these people on these television programmes. You'd think you'd want to just sort of get on with your life. But you can't shut Kelly Maloney up. Oh, dear, honestly. More vocal now as a woman than ever was as a bloke. Really. Oh, we've got um, Celebrity... No, it's not. It's uh, Love Island coming back. Um, I have to be 
brutally frank and tell you I've never seen Love Island, but um, it's uh, Linford Christie's niece is one of the singletons signed up. Oh, how sad. Linford Christie's niece. That's her claim to fame. Poor soul, honestly. Single mum, Rachel Christie. Oh, right. There she would be a single mum. She's obviously prepared to sort of dump the kids and go on to this thing. So that's great, isn't it? Well done, you dear. Big up the single mums. And she's joining 11 other hopefuls in Mallorca. The former athlete says dating has been tricky with a four-year-old son. Didn't think twice about dumping him to go on this programme, did you, though? So there you go. What a marvellous person you are. And uh, she says, appearance-wise, men have to look good, but I've learnt that that's not everything. Certainly isn't with you, is it? Because looks don't even come into it, love. Also, Lauren Richardson. Lauren Richards, cast your mind back. Anybody famous? No. Dreary? Yes. This is the girl who was pictured with Zayn Malik in Thailand, another hopeful. And why is she going on there? She wants to set the record straight. What? That it wasn't you at all. It was a it was sort of some sort of strange creature who looked like you, who came outside of the club and you were holding hands. And you want to set the record straight. Nobody cares about you, dear. I'm really sorry. We really, really don't care. I wish I could say we did, but nobody in the country cares about you. Nobody's interested. Love Island doesn't hardly get diddly squat of people watching it. Very, very tiny audience. In fact, if they had my audience, they'd be uh, very happy. But they don't even they don't even get that, I don't think. A uh, picture of um, somebody called Georgia Kusulu. I don't know who she is. She's apparently... Oh, she's... Um, they call it a reality TV beauty. Beauty is one thing she's not. Badly dyed hair. Very strange outfit here. And, uh, oh, she's in Towie. I love that they call them all stars, don't they? You know, Gemma Collins, Towie star. And you go, no, disaster. And uh, she says, Georgia says, she's, uh, she's eating bread. She's revealed the secret to her gorgeous curves. Yes, I would think actually Gemma Collins could reveal as well that it's, it's bread with chips in between it and salad cream. You know, I would think that was, that was her, uh, her diet. Apparently, she said, it to me, it's just as mad. It's a healthy way to give your body the energy it needs, particularly when you're about to go on holiday and start hitting the gym. She is so bright. I mean, seriously, this woman should be educating people on the television. She's terribly bright, terribly bright. If only people knew who she was, but, uh, but they don't. Vicky Patterson... She says she's a judge now in, I don't know what it is, some dreadfully cheap, ghastly programme. I don't know what it is. It's called Judge Geordie, which begins on MTV. So, again, nobody will see it. It's where they sort of stick some bimbo from a TV programme. It's not on it anymore. And they go, right, we're now going to make you a judge. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit fake. A little bit fake. Uh, Lynn says the two-year-old child, probably traumatised after being dragged from the parents. Well, there's no dragging, no traumatisation. At two years old, they just think they're going out to the park. They don't know, do they? There must have been a good reason why they weren't offered parenting classes and the chance to give up smoking so they could keep their child. Oh, I'm sure there's more to the story. I always think there's more to stories than the ones that you read in the, in the newspapers. Of course there must be. You don't just have a child. I mean, there must be thousands and thousands of children who are sitting there with their parents in cars while the parents puff away on cigarettes. Must be. Must be. Just by the law of averages. So, I don't know. Anna says, I applied for Big Brother. Oh, you didn't, did you? Oh, dear. And Dion says, have you seen the trailer for a show about a load of drag queens? Mind you, it's American. Well, RuPaul's had a show over in America for, for ages. Again, they don't rate these things. They're not really. They're not really. Uh, another one here. Uh, uh, Marisa says, sorry to differ with you, but if you look at a rerun of the end of the act when Ant and Decker are on stage with the owner, they have to encourage Chase to come on stage and the dog's left front leg is definitely missing. I don't know, it doesn't look like it here. I'm looking at, I'm looking at four legs on this dog. Perhaps one's a prosthetic. 
Perhaps one's a prosthetic. Wait a minute, let's have a look. Let's have a look. I could definitely see four legs. Definitely see four legs. No, definitely. Skippy's there. Um, but, uh, and Matisse. But no, I'm looking at Chase and there are four legs. And I don't think you could have... Wait a minute, one, two... Yeah, definitely looking at four legs. Definitely. So, um, so perhaps it's you. Perhaps it's you. Chase is clearly smaller than the other one. No, nope, they look identical. Absolutely identical. I'm looking at them both on the settee. They look identical. The only difference is that one's got a different coloured muzzle from the other one. One of them's got um, a lot of white and the other one's only got a small bit of white. But apart from that, they look the same to me. And if you, as long as you don't have them on stage at the same time. But we've seen them both on stage. So it doesn't actually make any difference. It doesn't make any difference at all to me. I don't think Simon Cowell is going to worry about something like that. Dear me. 84850, uk. Malcolm says, I remember Anita Harris was uh, David Nixon's assistant. Yes, yes, definitely. And um, one says here, one of the dogs definitely only had three legs, says Betty. Well, I'm looking at four legs on the dog that's on the, uh, on the wire. Two at the front and two at the back. That, uh, is that his four, is it? Want to sort of ruin anybody's day now who can't count, but uh, that's what it says. They might have three legs, but it's obviously something, you know, perhaps it's a little process. Perhaps they've stapled it on or something like that, you know, just so it looks as though the dog has got these uh, four legs. But it definitely looks four legs, and it's obviously able to lean on it because it's on a tightrope kind of thing. Well, it's not really a tightrope. It's two uh, two bits of, of wire. Either way, it's just a dog that you're going to be seeing at the Royal Variety performance. As I said before, you don't really think Simon Cowell is remotely bothered by this. Uh, even the Daily Mail have jumped in on the act. I would have expected... Uh, something a little bit more from them. They've said £250,000 Britain's Got Talent dog caught up in fakery storm, which is quite funny. So she's got Matisse, and then she's got the other one, Chase. Doesn't matter, though, does it? I mean, just, listen, So it's, listen. she's doing a dog act. She could have six dogs at home, all looking the same. I don't know. Not really bothered about it. Animal rights fanatics are threatening to create havoc in Sainsbury's in an attempt to halt the badger cull. I don't quite know what Sainsbury's have got to do it. They've already forced the Cafe Nero coffee shop chain to stop using milk from two counties where badgers are being slaughtered to prevent the spread of tuberculosis. Now the protest group Stop the Cull say they will target Sainsbury's during an anti-austerity protest this month. Jay Tiernan, the group's spokesman, says it would disrupt stores, create mayhem at the supermarkets AGM and bombard its chief executive, with messages until they stop selling milk from areas where badger culls are planned. Lovely. I love it when, when sort of people get excited about things like this. I think it's good to have a passion. It's good to believe in things. Uh, what what uh, Sainsbury is going to worry about, I don't know. Cafe Nero have ordered their suppliers to obtain milk from outside the Somerset and Gloucestershire cull zones uh, after Stop the Cull threatened to storm cafes and give out leaflets. <gasps> Imagine storm cafes and give out leaflets. I thought people do that now. Hello? Hello, would you like to save badgers? Not at this precise moment. No, I'm a little bit busy. I'm just doing my shopping. Oh, would you like to save a badger later? Yes. Would you like a leaflet? Thank you. Take the leaflet, walk away. Storm coffee shops. Good God. Well, if you can get them to speed up making coffee, that'd be quite nice. But uh, anyway, uh, this man said, we will be with Sainsbury's until they capitulate. We won't be going anywhere until they stop. Tesco, Morrison's and Sainsbury's all sell milk from the cull zones. God, have you ever th- I never even thought about it. I never even thought where my milk comes from. I'm assuming it comes from cows. And, uh, and if it's coming from cows, we don't want badgers to spread tuberculosis, which they do. 
They do, and I, I did see them the other day. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I mean, I don't like culling anything at all. But if farmers have got to save their herd by culling, well, then farmers have to save their herd by culling. And, you know, any amount of, uh, of boycotting by a few sort of people from stop the cull is not going to make any difference. These big, big supermarkets are not going to kowtow to these people. Perhaps Cafe Nero. And then they've said here, uh, farmers say they will boycott Cafe Nero over its plans to stop using milk from areas. Uh, Rob Harrison of the National Farmers Union called the coffee chain's move naive and outrageous and ignorant. Possibly. It's owned, incidentally, by a holding company based in Luxembourg. You remember Cafe Nero? Because they don't pay any corporation tax, despite making £100 million in profits. So I won't be giving them any of my business any time soon. <laughs> you know where you can go on the high street, will there? Very shortly. You'll be sort of there going, you know, can I go and get a coffee at this place? They go, not really. They haven't paid any corporation tax. And you go, oh, really? So I'm more worried about that than I am about where the milk comes from. I just want it to come from cows that are OK. And um, and that's it. Is it going to make any difference? I don't know. Morrison's and Tesco said they would continue to source milk from the affected areas. There you go. Sainsbury's have said they would continue to buy milk from inside the cull zones. A spokesman said, like other retailers, we buy from farmers right across the UK. The government does not disclose which farms are involved. We don't think it's fair to penalise farmers who, by geographical circumstances, are within the official cull area. Absolutely. Not going to be pushed around by a bunch of little people wearing little T-shirts with liberation and stop the cull and that kind of stuff. You know, we don't like people protesting. But, you know, storming supermarkets. I tell you, there'll be a lot of people running people over in those sort of T-shirts with a, with a shopping trolley. That'll make it quite interesting, won't it? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. It was Skipper who had three legs, not Chase. The dog on the wire's got four legs. So it says to Yeah, it's the, it's the other one that doesn't really do a lot on there. I mean, do we really... For God's sake, it's a dog. Who really cares? I'm not particularly bothered about it. Coming up very shortly, the news at five o'clock on LBC. A new study says improving sleep could slash the risk of Alzheimer's. The hunt for the widow who binned this rare, this rare Mac. Have we got the theme running? Has it just gone very quiet or something? I can't hear anything at all. It's not running. It is running. Oh, right. The news theme is running, is it? What already? Good Lord. I've overstepped my... No, I haven't. I've not actually hit it yet, have I? So we'll have the news coming up very shortly. Uh, we'll be talking about the brands as good as the real thing, the LA Dream Mansion, and the car found in the garage worth £300,000. Also, Malaysia Airlines technically bankrupt, and the lifelike models on display at the Serpentine Gallery. All of that This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's Tuesday, the 2nd of June. Today is the day that the winds come in, the rain lashes us, and then it all disappears in time for Saturday when, apparently, it's going to be a heat wave. The uh, toddler taken away for adoption because his parents smoke. There's got to be more to this story, hasn't there? The lion who kills a tourist in that South African safari park. Not the first disaster they've happened. Uh, that's happened there. A new study says improving sleep could slash the risk of Alzheimer's. Hunt for the widow now who binned the rare Mac. £100,000 is coming your way, my love. The parents calling for an apology in the crematorium's baby ashes story. I'm terribly sorry, we've got no ashes of your baby. What? Not the first time. And the bin man dragging an injured dog. Not good. Not good at all. And it's not the dark you're frightened of, apparently. It's the night. The night is... I thought it was the dark. 
you know, I mean, I, I, I don't do well with horror movies anyway. And I was watching one the other day, and it was one of those typical horror movies where it's sort of fairly dark and creepy, and somebody's in a house, and then they shine a torch, and with these, they look like waxworks. But you know, you know that, oh, sorry, you know that one of them is actually, is actually alive. It's a person who's alive, and you know they're going to attack the person who's looking, and it freaks me out completely. I can't cope with things. I, even though I try and convince myself when I'm watching a scary film, I always go, the cameraman's now going, OK, can we do that bit again? I told Daniel Radcliffe the same. When he walks towards a door in, um, in this film that he made, which is based on a stage show, and he and I'm thinking, please, please don't go through the door. Please don't go through the door. There's going to be somebody behind the door, and they're going to. Please don't go through. No, he's going through the door. He's going through the door. And when I went to see it, I went to see it as a preview, and I took my producer down. That she screamed, which of course frightened me even more. I wasn't too worried about the uh, the uh, the screaming coming from me and the film. It was the producer screaming in my ear and sort of tried to clutch the seat. It was all very embarrassing. Uh, this morning, our own brands as good as the real thing. They've done a taste test. You know, is the looky-likey uh, Heinz tomato ketchup as good as Heinz tomato ketchup? You see, I don't think any of these these brands can ever be taken over. And if you're, if you're really geared by price, well, then that has to be the way it is. But frankly, I can afford to, I can afford to, you know, I was going to say drink Heinz's <laughs> cream of tomato soup. And I can also use their tomato ketchup because I like the taste of it. There might be something in it that's probably terrible for me. Being a diabetic, as you know, I've had the most awful, you know, ups and downs on the programme. Sometimes where your brain races away and I can't do anything about it. I can't slow it down. It'll either be to do with something I've either drunk or something I haven't had. And so sometimes, you know, I've had people writing in going, cool, you're going on one this morning. It's because I can't control it. It's a, it's a bit like sort of being being caught in a in a tumble dryer and you want to slow down and you want to and you can't slow down. It, I'm just driven by it. I don't know what it is, but I know that I've had it before. It's like having too much sugar. All of a sudden you have too much sugar in your system and you can't control what you do. Your tongue races away with everything. And people have said, God, you're on something this morning. You go, well, not really. It's called diabetes. One of the one of the downsides, one of the downsides. Tuning in from uh, Abu Dhabi, says Chris, it's seven. 45 a.m. and it's already 38 degrees knowing how much you love the heat i know i'm hating this weekend i'm not but apparently darren adam is the same he doesn't like the heat either so we'll both have to hibernate this weekend i mean if it really is as hot as that i know people say isn't it lovely and i'm thinking i don't really think it is i don't think it is he says uh, love the show time to launch the abu dhabi chapter of the steve allen appreciation society oh well, that sounds quite a nice idea okay. i could go for that and um, here says anna uh, in Corsica, we often discuss the humour differences between our two cultures. A Corsican chum has an app which gives instant translation, albeit a bit wonky. As uh, yesterday, you apparently said you had to use the toilet on Mars. Sorry to say that. <laughs> Sorry to say that. The bright sun is up and we have blue sky. The audience in Corsica is developing, which is what we like. And uh, yes, Anna, we remember you very well. We had teas. We had tea. Was it? I can't believe it was a few years ago. Funny, isn't it? Time, time whizzes through. Skippy, who had three legs. Oh, it's the Britain's Got Talent thing again. Because the, the colleague called Chase is on there. And let me just read you a statement. This is after people think that they've been cheated on Britain's Got Talent because they were voting for a dog they thought called Matisse. But in fact, Chase did the routine on the wire. And a spokesman for the producers 
have said this, OK? This is, these have to be words from Simon Cowell's mouth because he owns the show. Nothing goes on on that show without Simon Cowell not knowing about it. He said, on Britain's Got Talent, during the competition, viewers have seen that Jules's act involves a team of dogs, including Chase and Skippy, alongside the starring dog Matisse. We're sorry if this was not made clearer to the judges and viewers at home during their final performance. Well, of course Simon Cowell knew about it. He must do. It's his programme. What, you mean to tell me that something happens on the programme? I'm telling you now, Simon Cowell, knowing how much he loves this kind of thing, he will be rubbing his hands that an act that he owns, he now owns them because they're signed to Psycho, which is Simon Cowell's company. Uh, He owns them. This has given them tons more publicity. But you've seen these dogs before. I don't know why people are expressing such surprise. We've seen. Even Paul Rinhigh Wickham says, I personally don't mind Chase being on the ropes because we've seen him before. If we hadn't seen Chase before, then it would be a different story. But he was in the semi-final act and we'd seen him before. So let let that be an end to it, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) That you've seen these dogs before. She's got three. And I don't care which one it is that jumps up on the ropes and, and walks along. I really don't care. Makes no difference to me. You're going to be seeing them on the on the Royal Variety performance. What are they going to do? Change it for a magician doing a packet of cards trick? I don't think so. I don't think so. But it's amazing how it gets people uh, gets people going, doesn't it? People going. Oh, it's, I mean, you want to read some of the tweets? Some of the tweets that people have actually sort of put up. You know, it's, they're horrified. Horrified. I feel as I was cheated. I voted for this dog. Well, then you must have watched the programme before. I never vote for any of these things. I really don't. Um, I might vote for Danny Cohen who's been accused of holding viewers to ransom after he threatened to axe programmes if the licence fee evaders are no longer sent to court. The director of television warned that the corporation would probably have to cut entire services, such as TV channels or radio stations. Ooh, that's good news. Uh, If the licence was decriminalised. In a surprising combative move, Mr Cohen also threatened the government over proposals to force the BBC to give the licence fee free to the over-75s. If the BBC takes on more financial obligations, it's got less money to spend on content. Well, there's some right rubbish, Mr Cohen, as you well know, on the BBC. All these other ridiculous... You could axe three quarters of them. You don't need them. Not another silly little game show with some third-rate comedians we've never even heard of. Just ditch them, please. How many people end up in court every week? This will surprise you. For, for not having a TV licence. 3,000. 3,000 people a week. And they get fined. Uh, between 50 and 70, uh, go to prison. But it's interesting. Mr Cohen earns £327,800 a year. But that's what, you know, you're looking at big business, you're looking at a corporation that we own. I mean, if we were voting, we'd all vote for him to get an awful lot less. But uh, they do say here, eyebrows are likely to be raised at Mr Cohen's poverty plea, uh, given growing evidence of the spending habits of BBC executives. Says here, last week... The Daily Mail revealed that the BBC's Controller of Entertainment of Commissioning, Mark Lindsay, has spent nearly £800 of licence fee payers' money on just seven taxes. Mind you, it's only sort of just under £100, isn't it, for each one? I mean, it could be a £60 cab fare. It'd be cheaper if they had their own cars at the corporation. According to Private Eye, it had 776 banded 11... And 11 executives last June, two-thirds of whom were paid more than £73,000. 
So I don't think that seems too bad at all, actually. I mean, that's what happens. Big corporation, a lot of people, they need paying. You're paying for their expertise. That's why, £73,000. I would expect people within this radio group to be earning money like that as well, of course. Difference is, we have to earn it. The BBC just take it from you. That's, that's the difference. The difference is that you have to keep, you know, paying for your licence. Don't get me wrong, I, I'm not complaining about it. I quite like to see loads of programmes axed. There are, are tons of programmes which, frankly, are just aren't worth the, uh, the space. Tomato ketchup, says Matt. You've got to try Carnia tomato ketchup from Lidl. I much prefer it. More tomatoes and less sugar. You see, obviously, I've got the thing about the sugar. Which, being a diabetic, isn't exactly brilliant, is it? Uh, Lisa says, the two-year-old taken from the parents who smoked. Um, are there any... Yeah, I mean, they think that there was potential drug paraphernalia in the house as well. So I said there was something else there. And uh, it's it's slightly worrying. His uh, his father has mental health issues. It's unhygienic. Uh, there's a risk of strangulation posed by electric wires within the child's uh, grasp. Uh, the child was on an inhaler because it's uh, you know just a cloud of smoke he's living in. It's terrible, really terrible. So they've they've dis- they, they've sort of disguised. Uh, half of the uh, the terrible things that went on in this house because it's just so filthy. But the bits they are telling you about, uh, cluttered with dirty nappies, empty cigarette packets, bits of paper and food. The little boy's toys and clothes stank of smoke. The uh, conditions were squalid with a strong smell of cat urine, damp and cigarettes. I think you have to take a child out of a situation like that. For once, I actually agree with taking a child. Um, I think with mental health issues, there's no point in trying to ch- train a family. They'll, they'll be better off without him. He's two years old. Um, he was happy with his parents' company, but I think he'll be happier with somebody else who maybe doesn't smoke. If you do grow up in a, in a family, in a household where people smoke, it must be a blooming nuisance. Because you can't get rid of it. But if you've not known anything else, then that's the way it has to be. Unless somebody else intervenes. Uh, Will Top Gear keep May and Hammond for a million pound each? This is the uh, rumour that they're pushing out at the moment. Uh, The BBC are hoping that the plans for Top Gear will have the same effect and help to stave off a revolt by viewers loyal to Clarkson, Hammond and May. So they're obviously thinking about bringing it back, but probably with different people doing it. In which case, it will sink without trace and it'll be another programme. You know, if they've already... What did they act on BBC Two? Is it Nevermind the Buzzcocks they decided to axe the other day? Well, I've I've got a list as long as your arm for programmes that are really a waste of time and money. You know, panel games with Joe Swash on, they should be axed immediately. Absolutely. Anything that's got Joe Swash on it, completely axed. I don't want to see any more of this rubbish on the television. I mean, some of it is just so pathetically puerile, you begin to wonder how anybody could laughingly call themselves a producer and turn this garbage out. It's terrible. Wendy in Farnborough says, I have to water down Heinz tomato soup as I find it too rich. Yes, my mother used to water. You could buy a condensed soup, couldn't you? But uh, you can water down tomatoes, so I suppose, by a little bit of milk or a bit of cream or something like that. Makes me, makes, it's delicious, isn't it? But it's obviously the sugar in it that, that, that tempts us, which is lovely. Uh, quarter past five is the time. Latest news. This morning for breakfast, the story of the two-year-old boy removed from his parents due to them uh, smoking indoors. Not just smoking, it's mental health issues, it's cleanliness, it's... This poor kid's got asthma already. Uh, Nichols be speaking to a mum of two who smokes 20 a day. She says being a smoker doesn't make you a bad parent. And have you had... Have you ever heard of breast ironing? This is the physical abuse of young girls to prevent them from developing breasts. And apparently it happens right here in the UK. In fact, I was watching some women on the television talking about it yesterday. It was, it's roughly akin to the binding of feet, which was done in Japan ages, ages ago. So women had little tiny feet, so from an early age their feet were bound. And this involves hot bricks, 
literally heated up to a temperature you can't imagine, put on girls' breasts, and then they're bound down to stop their breasts developing. I don't quite understand the purpose of it, but Nick will explain everything this morning, and he's back with you uh, just after 7 o'clock, after the morning news, with Lisa Aziz. Um, um, Danny says, can I still listen to you on the app when abroad? I can't imagine a week of not listening to the programme. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You certainly can. And uh, the Black Cab Poet says, I'm frantically teaching our dog Bob to perform the Oleg poem, Russian accent to boot, in time for next year's Britain's Got Talent. Do you remember they had a dog years ago? Esther Ranson had one on That's Live which said sausages. Well, that's what people thought it said. It just went, like that. <laughs> which is great. And... Um, then I was reading all about, in the uh, the papers, these looky-likey things. Looky-likey products. Not just products, it's, uh, it's all sorts of things. Everything from Twinings, Earl Grey tea, which, uh, you know, some of them are good. Heinz beans, they're not called Heinz baked beans. I know we call them baked beans, but they're just known as Heinz beans. Um, uh, Sainsbury's, not so good. They said um, the sauce had a slightly metallic taste, but the other ones seem to be fairly good. But it's whether or not you want to buy into the into the brand leaders. So when you look at the copycat products, for example, they've got Hellman's Real Mayonnaise, and then they've got Bramwell's Real Mayonnaise. You, you'd be hard-pushed not to know that one was not Hellman's, because they've all they, they've sort of done it. So that it's, it's a copycat. Whether it works, I don't know. But there's all sorts of copycat things. For example, cheesy Watsits. They're made by Walkers. Uh, they say they are actually very good. They said don't bother with the essential Waitrose cheesy puffs. They haven't got flavour. Uh, but you can go for M&S cheese tasters. Better than the real thing. And I think they're about 77p. And that's what people are going for, isn't it? People are obviously going for price nowadays. I mean, even things like Dettol wipes, Andrex toilet rolls... Um, Kellogg's Crunchy Nut Cornflakes. Uh, they, they say here, don't bother with Aldi's Harvest Moon. Harvest Morn Crunchy Honey Nut Cornflakes. They tasted a little burnt. Coca-Cola. There are copycats of Coca-Cola. Copycats of Persil, non-biological washing capsules. I like the idea of Twining's Earl Grey Tea. They said, don't, don't bother with the M&S. Oh, I know, I bought it ages ago. Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Didn't taste at all like it was supposed to taste. But you can now get everything. You know, even, as I say, with beans. I mean, ever thought of, you know, Dettol wipes being copied by people? No, but they do. And there's also um, a unique experiment showing how bad dental hygiene wrecks your entire body's immune system. Not brushing your teeth can trigger dementia and heart disease. Good grief. Safe whitening kits won't work. A pound brush is as good as electric. I went in to buy something the other day. That's, uh, well, I'll tell you what it is, actually, because I'd seen it advertised on the television. I've got, a, I've got one, but it's not. it doesn't look as good as this other one. And it's for taking away dry skin on your feet. And it's a shoal uh, little thing. It just takes four AA batteries, and it's got a roller on it, which you can rinse under the tap, and you just use it on your feet. Now, it's essential for all diabetics to look after their feet, because if you get an infection, the chances are you can lose your feet or toes at worst. And so we look after our feet. So I've got creams and everything else. And I've got a little thing for taking rough skin off the feet. So my feet are all lovely. And so I bought this thing the other day. And I admit I didn't go to my normal chemist because I wasn't sure that he had it. I should have gone there. I should have looked. I feel duty bound to tell Mr. Shah that I didn't. I didn't have the strength to walk round there. So I did buy it from somewhere else. And I bought it. And it comes in a blister pack, which you've got to cut to get out of it, and two spare rollers. And so they always ask you, don't they, in all of these, these places, they always say, do you want a bag? It was £42. 
do you require a bag? And so I looked at her. I said, for this price, I'm expecting you to carry it home for me. She looked at me. She sort of half smile. I think it was probably out of sympathy. Uh, totally agree with you, says Mark, about people like Joe Swash. How do these talentless people continue to earn good money? Well, as long as he's paying back because he's been he's declared bankrupt, isn't he? But there is real talent out there. Well, I don't know, I don't know where it is, actually, which is trying to make a living. It, it's not easy. Not easy. Uh, Nigel is uh, together with Mindy from Richmond. Bit of a shock for them. They're in, the, in, a, in Turkey at the moment, but listening via the internet. It's nice, isn't it? I like people listening around the world. Makes us feel a bit closer to home, doesn't it, really? Uh, Les says the BBC could get rid of EastEnders. Poor acting with too many kids. Oh, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I think they have to have some sort of soap, don't they? Uh, I wish my husband had been removed from his family when he was young because of their chain smoking. He died age 45 with heart damage due to two passive smokers as a child, says Mo. So there you go. 84850, steve at Uh, Steve, the BBC are looking for new stuff. Why don't you have a go? You go to their website, which is Writer's Room. Seriously, check the website out yourself. There'll be somebody who works for the BBC going, there's, no, there's no, nothing around here going on, Steve. Why don't you, uh, why don't you have a go at writing something? I d- all you need to do is come up with, a, with a, good, a good show, a format. They've got uh, a whole department at the BBC which devises formats for you to watch on the television. But they've never come up with as good a one as Noel's House Party. Why it's never come back on the television, I have no idea. I've been a huge campaigner, as you know, for years for Noel's House Party. It provided everything. It had celebrities, and they were a bit thin on the ground, aren't we? Might have to use people from reality shows, and that would be a big no-no, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, apparently, uh, Kim Kardashian has revealed that she and Kanye West are now expecting their second child, like anybody cares, and uh, it's been tipped to call it South. Because they've already got North, so might as well have South. As long as she stays out of the limelight, I don't really care, actually. Don't really care. Uh, Britain's oldest poppy seller, Olive Cook, has been buried with mourners wearing their poppies that had meant so much to her during her life. Her coffin, draped with the Union flag and topped with white flowers, was led out of the private surface in Bristol by a Royal British Legion flag bearer. Nice. Nice. Lovely. Uh, pages and pages and pages of this blooming dog. Seriously. Just everything. And then people complaining about Amanda Holden's dress. Not suitable for family viewing. Who are the people who write in about that? I'm always curious to know, you know, to try and understand what would make somebody even bother to pick up a pen and a piece of paper or to go to the computer. I couldn't be bothered. I couldn't be bothered. Could you give me the dress if I write you to complain about Amanda Holden's boob showing, you know, on her dress? You know, perhaps she'd rather she was sort of cover up in a burqa or something. I don't know why people complain about that, but they had about 49 people. Oh, no, 90. 90 complaints to Ofcom and ITV received 100. As if Ofcom don't have enough to do without worrying about Amanda's dress malfunctions, which isn't really a dress malfunction. She just wants to look glamorous. I don't think there's anything the matter with it. We see worse on other programmes. Somebody says that um, she looks amazing. An Ofcom spokesman says we'll assess all complaints before deciding whether to act. Oh, surely they can't make you change your clothing. Surely. What, because a few people out of the millions who watch don't like the fact that she's showing off a little bit of, uh, little bit of chest Apparently, she was showing too much cleavage before the watershed. I mean, really? I mean, I'm just sitting here in my pants this morning. I mean, I know that it doesn't make any difference to you, but I thought I'd tell you that now. So, uh, someone, one viewer tweeted, get rid of Amanda Holden. Her dress sense is not suitable. Get rid of Amanda Holden? <laughs> Wouldn't you love to go round and find out who that is? It'll turn out to be some sort of joke person. Can't, I mean, can't be genuine. Get rid of her because, she, because of her, her dress sense. 
that really awful? Steve, I was always under the impression that votes are cast to appreciate the skill of the trainer, not the dog. No, no, you're not voting for the trainer. You're voting for the dog. That's why it is. But poor old Marissa had no idea that, in fact, there was a third dog, even though it's been on the programme before. She said, I only tuned in at a certain point, so I was unaware of it. Well, the, the dog chase has definitely got four legs. Definitely. And the other one as well. Four legs. It's only the other dog that's got three. But I, I wasn't sure if that actually did anything on the programme. I don't care. I don't care. Poor sleep. Linking you to Alzheimer's. Not such good news here. Missing out on a regular deep sleep. See, most of us don't do deep sleep. We do what they call light sleep. Scientists say a lack of that kind of slumber can only lead to an increase in the brain of a protein that attacks memory. God, it's bad enough as it is now, isn't it? You know, sometimes you look at somebody and you think, I'm sure I know who you are, but I'm blowed if I can remember your name at the moment. You have to wait till they say something. Paul says, can you not talk about Amanda Holden's top bits? I'm trying to drive a truck. Well, I mean, goodness sake, just watch the programme. Watch the programme and there, there she is displaying them for all to see. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Apparently three-legged skipper, he was only taught to skateboard. I don't know, I've seen that before, skateboarding dogs. You see it on all the, uh, on all the great programmes on the television where they show you sort of funny pets. Pets do the funniest things. And so uh, I wonder really whether or not there are loads of dogs who just fell off the high wire. Except it wasn't that high and it wasn't really a wire. It was a rope. It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, 2nd of June. Wet, windy, and that's just in the studio today. It's going to be pretty bad outside, and you're going to get a month's worth of rain in one day. And then they say, by the time you actually get to the weekend, it's going to be brilliant sunshine. Uh, More on this uh, dreadful story of a lion killing a tourist, mainly because she left the car window open. Uh, She ignored the safari park uh, warnings. She was told, do not wind the window down, but you see it all the time. People who've been told about something and they just blatantly ignore it. And so they've got a, a picture of a, of a lion peering into a car in, and they're big. They're very big. It isn't till you really... I think people think that because they're wandering around in a safari park, this was in South Africa uh, near Johannesburg, people think, oh, they must be tame because they get fed. No, the keepers go round in, a, in, a, in an iron cage throwing their food out to them. They certainly don't go in with them. If they do, they have to be darted. That's the lions as opposed to the keepers. So she ignored the warnings and the lion leapt through the window because that's what they'll do. If they see something, you know, in there and they think, oh, well, dinner, meals on wheels. And so it leapt through the window and dragged her back out again. And they tried to beat it off. It didn't work. Uh, and unfortunately, it was, it was too late. It's the third at this park in three months. Third. Uh, another one was um, a 13-year-old boy who was attacked by a cheetah. But however, nothing beats the story of rock star Richard Oliver, who managed to fight off a mountain lion. He was uh, jogging near a state park in Los Angeles when he spotted the predator stalking him. Wales-born Oliver quickly armed himself with a stick and threw rocks to ward off an attack by the lion, which followed him for two miles. He says, I made myself loud and big. That's what you're supposed to do, isn't it? Somebody always said to me that if you're facing an elephant or a rhinoceros, just stand there. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what they say. They say because the lion, the, the uh, sort of the, the elephant will not. It'll, it just runs towards you and then it will stop and then and back away. And I think you'll find exactly the same for a rhinoceros. But, I mean, who's going to stand there with a rhino? You know, God knows how many tons of animal heading towards you. And they say, stand your ground because it won't do anything. That's why we run. 
That's why we run. It's safer to run, isn't it? Because you know damn well that this thing's not going to catch you. And then you suddenly realise, wait a minute, they can run faster than we can. They're fitter. That's what they do to catch their prey. Very rare does prey just wander in. It did a short while ago, didn't it? Do you remember the, the picture of the lion? And they, they were just about to lie down. And next to it, hidden in the grass, was a, was a little baby gazelle kind of thing, which, where its mum had left it. And they sort of sit there. And what they do is they actually go very quiet. And this lion, this could have started sitting there, doing its nails, having a look around, and all of a sudden it notices this little gazelle. And it looks, <laughs> obviously thinks, wonder what that is. Because they only go into their mode when they see somebody either trying to get away from them. And so if, if ever you see a lion, apparently the thing to do is not run. But again, your instinct is to run. And it looks at this little gazelle, which is, which is, I felt a bit sorry for it. Because somebody was taking pictures of it. I think if they'd taken pictures, why couldn't they save it? Anyway, at one point, the, the gazelle stood up thinking, I think I'm in the wrong place. I think this is not good news here. And... Uh, and it goes to sort of move a little bit, and the lion edges nearer to it. And uh, and the gazelle's thinking, I'm not in a good place here at all. This isn't going to end happily, is it? And the lion's thinking, you're not going anywhere. It hadn't quite worked out what it was, I don't think. And at one point, it licked it. It did lick this gazelle, which must have thought, oh, my God. And then, of course, the lion did what it did. And it took the... I mean, to be honest with you, it was just about a snack. It wasn't even considered anything useful. It was just sort of a little, a little aperitif before the main event when the mother obviously came back for it. But that's the problem, isn't it? They do it with wildebeest and everything else. And when you're looking at feeding lions, and if it's a pride, there's, you very rarely find one lion going out feeding. They go out. And in this, in this safari part, word must have got out. Not only does the food arrive in vehicles for you, but you can just climb in the window if they're stupid enough to leave the window open. And this woman was. Very popular destination here. All sorts of people have been, including Shakira. It's a, a mix of zoo and game reserve. The zoo have said the lion that killed the woman will not be destroyed because it's only doing, you know, it doesn't know, does it? It doesn't know. It's got no idea. But you only have to look at the picture in the paper today of the lion looking. Whether this is the same one, I don't know. She left the window open and the lion just jumped in. Even if it would mean breaking any glass, that the lion would sort of jump in. Not so great. Uh, Simon and Jane Lewis are in Edmonton, Canada and listen every night. Well, somebody's got to. I don't know what, what sort of radio you get over there, actually. Uh, Joanna's in Spain, so it's always an entertaining way to start the day. Well, it's, well, I suppose if it's another if it's another sunny day, it's a bit boring, isn't it? At least here we actually get you know all the seasons in one day, and that's what I quite like about it. I did see Twenty Four Hours in the past, only only little bits of it. Uh, why did the BBC continue to use Anne Widdicombe? She's so rude and obnoxious. Well, I think she's um, I, I think she's she's sort of getting to that age now where. She's she's become a caricature of herself. And that's why they put her on a programme, but she didn't do anything on it. I think she just takes the money, which is a shame. shame. So I was expecting a bit more. She was quite feisty when she was an MP, and then she lost it and started appearing on some very down-market shows. I think at one point they gave her a quiz show. She wasn't much good at that either. So uh, 24 hours in the past, 24 hours too long, as far as I'm concerned. Davy uh, Felicity says, you haven't mentioned Daniela Westbrook in a while. Well, she's not been in the papers. We only mention if they're in the papers. So if I go through the papers and there's a, a Daniela Westbrook story, well, then I'll, I'll do her, as they say. But uh, she's not in the papers for today. I like the story of the, of the standing up thing. I'm not sure whether or not that's actually going to work. This is health advice, because we all need health advice, don't we? Office staff should be on their feet for two to four hours a day, because we all spend too much time. But, I mean, if they had a... I mean, I sometimes stand up in front of my computer, so not very often. 
but sometimes I do. And uh, and that's that seems to work. But now they're saying uh, desk jockeys, incidentally, needn't worry. Nobody's asking them to man the barricades. Instead, it's being suggested they should simply get off their backsides and stand for two hours a day. If that goes well, you bump it up then to four hours. So, I mean, this programme, I suppose, could be done standing up. It wouldn't make any difference to you if I was sitting down or, or standing up doing the programme. It would probably make a bit of difference to me, though. Because I'd have to move the microphone and it would squeak and there'd be all sorts of problems. And we'd sort of hit the microphone. So I'm, I'm trying not to think about things like that. Stay well away from it. Stay well away from it. Uh, 84850, uh, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, there is the, uh, the other story. Oh, here's, um, this is Louis Tomlinson. A fortnight is a long time in the love of a boy band member because he's now found somebody else. Uh, from Fifth Harmony. Her name's Lauren. Uh, although Lauren didn't have actually get... Uh, Lauren's previously dated the vamp star Brad Simpson, and after they split, his bandmates made some seriously lewd and inappropriate jokes about her. The Fifth Harmony crew hit back, branding their behaviour earlier this year astounding and immature. There's always... You've got to get some sort of interest going, otherwise, you know, you just become another, another girl or a boy band. Here's... Uh, oh, apparently they're all back on again. Sorry to ruin your Tuesday, but uh, after James Argent went drinking the other day and eating food like two starters, uh, and then little Lydia Dim walked out of the uh, the club where they were, because they're filming apparently. I don't know why, I mean, they're as old as the hills now, these people. But apparently, uh, then he treated Lydia to breakfast in bed the next morning and surprised her with a romantic uh, meal by the sea. Oh, it's nice, that, isn't it, really? You can only applaud the simplicity of them both. And here's a picture of poor old... Poor old... Chloe Sims. They've said here she's just literally woken up and thrown whatever was lying around on and paid absolutely no attention to hair or makeup. She looks ludicrous. Looks absolutely ludicrous. I mean, she's getting on a bit now, isn't she? I mean, is, is she more than she's more than fifteen, isn't she? I think. I mean, I think probably she could be over thirty. But uh, she's obviously reveling, and they've all got funny voices. All the people that they use in Towie, they've all got little children's voices. I like the Bentley that was found in a in a barn. I like the idea of that, a £300,000 Bentley. Uh, this one used to tow caravans. It was uh, built in 1929, uh, bought by the current owner's granddad, remained in the same family until 1985, then it was left in a Surrey farm building. Uh, the bloke who owns it thinks it was worth about £30,000. They've said, no, 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 £300,000. And I'm looking at it thinking that somebody could take that and I know a couple of companies that could really turn this into something fantastic. Uh, they wouldn't spend 300000 on it. That will have to go somewhere else a bit more specialist. But they could literally take this. By the time you've taken the tyres off, you've made all the tyres good, you've checked the engine over, and you've given it a respray and changed all the leather interior and probably put in, you know, some nice little curtains or something like that, you'll have a motor that would be worthy of it. How much more than 300000 you could sell it for, I do not know. But I can see the potential and I can see various people looking at it going, well, if it was 30 grand, then we'd probably pay for it. But if it's going to go up for about £300,000, there is no chance, no chance at all. Uh, Mr Badger on the rampage. Uh, This is uh, a television programme. They went to uh, a nature reserve in Suffolk. It's part of Springwatch. It's got Chris Packham on it. You know, he's really posh. You know, his sister features in Country Life magazine. I thought he was working class. I'm quite disappointed that he's posh boy. Kind of ruins it a little bit for me. Uh, we did like the Magic Night Inn with Stephen Mulhern. In fact, uh, Sam Delaney, who's the guest columnist, does like Stephen Mulhern. 
He said, uh, um, I'm Stephen Mulhern and I'm going on a journey through the history of TV magic to find out how it became a much-loved part of our TV schedule. And uh, then we had Paul Daniels, Debbie McGee. And uh, basically, there's no mystery as to why people love watching magic on television. It's awesome. The appeal goes back generations. People like watching it. If there's a magic show on the television, and Paul Daniels was the biggest magician on the television. I mean, I came in at David Nixon's time. But uh, Steve Mulhern did a passionately entertaining job of reminding us of, of just how good it was. Plus, there were loads of good Tommy Cooper clips, which was lovely. So everybody fairly happy. I'm not totally a Dynamo fan. I think I'm a Dynamo fan because he promotes magic and I'm, I'm in favour of that. It's just the sort of the rest of him. It's sort of it doesn't... Um, I mean, he's making a fortune. You know, he flies around the world, you know, roughly getting about twenty-five to thirty-five, forty thousand pounds for £40,000 for a gig. That's what people pay him. That's how much money he's worth. So the, uh, the Jamie who's on Britain's Got Talent, his money will increase significantly because he's been on Britain's Got Talent. You've now seen Dynamo. He's going around the world entertaining the Americans. We've seen it with all of them. You've seen it with David Blaine. Every so often, it will throw up another magician and that person will be destined to earn an awful lot of money. Paul Daniels will tell you he probably earned an absolute fortune from the BBC for his programmes and, uh, and he loved doing it. Now it's Dynamo's turn and we've had, we've had loads of other people. Wayne Dobson, of course. You know, some you know, really, really good people who've all got, you know, that gift of, of doing entertaining magic. No magic in the uh, the cruel bin man who's in the, all the papers today. Uh, this is uh, Jadson James Franca. I'm delighted to report that he's been sacked. And this is over in uh, the north of Brazil. The images appeared online. He drove his dust cart, as I've explained to you up and over this dog's legs who happened to have been sitting there and then he drags it in and throws it in the back of the uh, the truck and of course it dies he's been charged with cruelty and bailed he says he was trying to end the animal's suffering he could face a year in jail that's all it's worth nowadays that is all it's worth it's a great shame isn't it oh and i found um, a house for you if you're in a mood for buying a house i've got a super house i really have uh, not in this country not in this country i'll tell you all about it in a moment just in case you were thinking of saving up and uh, buying it for me for a, a present. It's quite. It's not. It's not finished yet, but they reckon it could be the world's biggest mansion in LA. And I'll tell you how much the price tag is, and I'll tell you what goodies it has inside it. Coming up now to a quarter to six. <laughs> Latest news headlines with Lisa Aziz. Big Alan on LBC. Morning, everybody. Pete says I spend most of my time sitting down working. If I stand at my desk. This is the report that's come out that says that people within the civil service should stand for around two hours a day working. And once they've managed to achieve that, then you extend it to four hours standing up. But he says, if I stand at my desk, I'd be leaning over all the time. And leaning over kills my back, being a tall person. The people that come up with these, uh, this advice don't really think it through properly. Yes, I mean, you would be leaning forward, wouldn't you? You would be leaning forward, standing up all the time. Doesn't quite work out. I do know of radio stations that years ago, one of the bosses used to enjoy people standing up to do their programmes because then they could feel the music. I don't think it quite works at LBC at the moment. Mind you, I might be speaking out of turn here. So here is the, uh, is the house for all of you. Slowly rising on a Los Angeles hilltop. Um, this, is, this is quite nice, actually. It promises to be America's biggest home. It's got 100,000 square foot of prime Beverly Hills real estate. So it'll be nobody around there that can afford it. Uh, it'll boast all mod cons, including... I mean, useless for me. It's got its own casino. 
It's also got a nightclub, four swimming pools and an IMAX cinema. Other proposed features include a jellyfish room with tanks on three walls, infinity pools and artificial lawns to beat California's drought. The Bel Air mansion will also feature a 5,000 square foot master bedroom, a 30 car garage and 360 degree views of L.A. and the Pacific Ocean. Uh, the bloke who's uh, bankrolling it is a producer called Niall Neamey. He plans to build three smaller homes on the compound, and the whole plot, if sold, will dwarf the record price paid for a home currently, £144 million, which is for a London penthouse. This one, £330 million. I mean, it's just... I mean, who's got that kind of money? The answer is probably quite a number of people. Probably quite a number of people. I'm not one of them. Even with winning the lottery, you couldn't afford it, could you? £330 million. You would think, really, that if you won £10 million on the lottery, you could buy anything. Well, the most expensive penthouse in London, £144 million. That's what they talked about. And I think it's down at... Um, I think it's the Candy Brothers. I think it's the one that's next to the Mandarin Oriental. I'm pretty certain it's the penthouse there. But I wouldn't like to imagine what your service charges are. £144 million. Mind you, to some people, probably it's small change, isn't it, really? Um, uh, 84850, steve at uk. Mick and Carla are still delivering beds. It's never-ending, isn't it, really? I noticed the other day, I nearly went to change my bed the other day because we have a new bed shop in Twickenham. I thought, it'll be a, I'll have a change. I quite fancy a metal bed. And I quite fancy a, a bigger bed. And so I'm looking in the window and I'm looking and thinking, that seems quite cheap, actually. It was about £300. Which, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't bought a bed for years, so I've got no idea. And uh, I thought 300, and that seems OK. Until you read the small print, that doesn't, that, that doesn't include the mattress. You've got to buy the mattress as well, and that's about another £200. I thought beds came with mattresses now, but no, it's an added extra. Because people like to have them. I've got one of these memory mattresses. Although, to be honest with you, I think mine's actually got dementia because it can't remember anything of my shape at all. You climb into it, it's supposed to mould to fit your body. Mine just laughs. Mine just laughs. Uh, Steve, surely the employees of the civil service are already standing up for two hours whilst at work. The amount of time spent around the coffee machine and the photocopier would count. Yeah, well, I do the same. I do the, the I do the same, actually. I stand up and uh, get coffee. And if I'm downstairs having, you know, our barista, Dan, make coffee, I'm standing up. I like to sort of, you know, get involved with things. But sometimes stand, if you're standing up too long, not so great, is it? Not so great because your legs, I don't know about you, but my legs start going a bit numb. So I've obviously got, I think it's probably to do with the, uh, to do with the diabetes. Uh, what else do we have in the papers for today? Oh, my Lord above. Uh, the £100 million view. London's, it looks delicious, actually, it really does. It's a 43-storey Providence Tower. You see these as I'm going out of Waterloo Station on my favourite Southwest trains. Uh, you could see all these uh, flats going up all over the place. And you think, do you know, honestly, a flat with a view sounds delightful, doesn't it? Especially when you get some of these so high. I mean, I think I think I, I could be quite seriously ill being this high up because I'm frightened of heights anyway. I'm not too uh, not too good. I can I can just about stand on a very small step ladder. It has to be a very very small step ladder. Um, businesses are cheating Africa out of three point nine billion pounds a year with a form of tax dodging. That's according to Oxfam. The charities demanding leaders from the G7 countries put an end to the ruse known as trade mispricing when they meet next week. Any multinational is able to move its profits out of a country before they can be taxed if it's billed by another part of the company in a different country. 
These vital tax revenues could help vulnerable people get decent health care and send their children to school, says Nick Breyer. We need action to ensure big companies pay their fair share. However, over in Malaysia, the new boss of Malaysian Airlines, who is Christoph Müller, has said the carrier is technically bankrupt after being hit by two plane disasters. They're going to axe, they think, 6,000 of their 20,000 staff. We're still looking for MH370. I think they've given up on that one now, haven't they? I don't think they're going to bother. And yet when you think about it, all the technology that we've got in this, uh, in this fantastic world of ours, and we can't find an aeroplane that's gone down. Amazing, isn't it? It shows how big the ocean is and how difficult... Ridiculous. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. It is the Candy Brothers. But I didn't think it's... Uh, Steve says... Um, somebody says, I worked on it, but it's not worth £144 million. Well, I think any place is worth what you can get for it. I mean, I also didn't think it went for the £144 million. I think that's become an apocryphal story. I think it actually ended up going for, for quite a bit less, because you need to sell one to get the interest going. I think this is the same place... Uh, number one Hyde Park Mansions, I think. I think that's what it's called. Um, I think a one-bedroom flat on the market, about 10, 12 million for a one-bedroom flat. Seems quite a bit, doesn't it, really? I don't know how people afford to buy anything nowadays. They've just sort of done all sorts of uh, places in uh, in Twickenham, office blocks and stuff like that. In preparation, I think, for the World Cup, I think people were buying places and renting them out. So we've already got a travel lodge. I think it's a travel or a premier in or one of the two. I can't remember. And... Um, and you always think to yourself, you know, how many more flats can we have? And the answer is we're going to have loads and loads of flats, loads of them. And already that they sell at, you know, prices of upwards of £350,000 for a two-bedroom flat. It's just, I mean, I don't really know where people get their money for. We're constantly being told that there's no money out there. People can't afford to do this. They can't afford that. You know, can't afford to have loads and loads of children. And yet they do. And, um, and it's all a bit of a shame, really, because if you live north of the Watford Gap, you'll be going, how much would a two-bedroom flat cost me? Well, around my way, anywhere from about 380000 upwards. It's a lot of money, isn't it? lot of money. Uh, was I scared to go skydiving? No, says Stella. This is Stella Gillard. Wasn't even nervous. She's 90. 90. They always do this, don't they? They always put a pensioner up there and they get loads of coverage because people are fascinated. She was jumping to raise money for world cancer research. Uh, she was spurred on by the memory of her daughter, Cathy, who died of pancreatic cancer in 2012, and son, Ron, recovering from uh, esophageal cancer. Stella, who comes from Exeter, says, I wasn't even a bit worried. The instructor talked me through how it would go. I completely trusted him. Nothing would get me to jump out of a plane. I would be the person sitting there sobbing my heart out. I, I'm, you know, if I've told you before, or told you a million times, and a minute ago, then I've just got a fear of, of height. She says, I floated down like a bird. No, you didn't. You were plummeting to earth at the rate of about 90 miles an hour, I think. They always make it look as though you float, don't they? Whenever you see people skydiving, and then they do the link-up, these people are hurtling through the atmosphere. There's nothing, so otherwise it'd be lovely, wouldn't it? I'll just flap my wings, my arms, and I'll just sort of float around the atmosphere. I think it's unlikely, ladies and gentlemen. Very unlikely. Uh, other stories in the papers for today. I saved one in here. Now, why did I save this one? I always have to look at it. Oh, that's right. This is a woman. And there might be many of you listening who are terrified of the dentist. There's something about dentists. You, you, know, you know you've got to go there if you've got an impacted wisdom tooth or if you've had any sort of, you know, an abscess or you want them cleaned or you could have a new bridge put in or a crown or all sorts of things or a new plate fitted. And uh, you're frightened. You sit there in the waiting room and you can hear somebody else. And then, then he pokes his head out the door. With you in a minute, you think, oh, take as much time as you like. 
I had to go to the doctor and get something to calm me down. I became a complete wreck. Once they'd started, I was fine. And, you know, you keep saying, well, just do everything. Go on, just go for it now. But here is a woman. She was so terrified, was Angie Barlow. She's 48. Uh, she stuck her teeth back in using superglue. Now, I've heard of this before. I don't think it's a particularly good idea. She carried out it, uh, carried out this DIY dentistry for more than a decade. She said, when a tooth came out, I just put a little bit of glue on it and tried to hold it in place to keep it so I didn't have a gap. I used glue on the top of the tooth and then I pushed it back in. But the toxic chemicals meant that she lost 90% of her bone supporting the teeth in her upper jaw and uh, made her hide away in embarrassment. So the advice is, don't superglue your teeth Ladies and gentlemen, there's a new this is this documentary about um, about saving your teeth. She's a professional dog walker. She lost her mother to throat cancer. She said, I've always been scared of the dentist because my mum died at just 34. In one cringeworthy moment. uh, Angie pulled out her front teeth, complete with superglue filler to the astonishment of the dentist because uh, she wants her smile rebuilt. And they've said about 16000 pounds. That's what you can spend. I mean, that, and that would be considered fairly reasonable nowadays. So it's called the truth about your teeth. Because it does make a difference, doesn't it? If you have, it's like people who have teeth whitened. I always laugh at Paul Rylan, who's quite clearly got way too many teeth in his mouth. And, uh, and just looks as though he can't even speak properly. Perhaps that's just him, though. He might, even, he might just have an impediment. I don't really know. But I'm always fascinated by people who spend money like that. The Bee Gees, I used to think, must be, you know, really, really good because they used to spend a lot of money on having all those teeth in their mouth. I think they must have been the first people to have really, really super teeth. Oh, good Lord, she's not back in the paper again, is she? Not dreary old Christina Rianoff. Oh, give it up, for goodness sake, dear. You were boring last week. Can't believe it's still going on. But obviously, whilst there's somebody, you know, somebody interested in your boring life, it always makes the newspapers. She's hitting back at being labelled a homebreaker. Uh, home wrecker, I think it was uh, called, wasn't it, actually? But of course, she might as well trade on something. And uh, and she tells how she danced her way out of a tough early life. It's enough to break your heart. It's enough to break my heart, so we shan't bother reading it. News at six is coming up very shortly on LBC. The new study which says improving your sleep, this is going into a deep sleep, could slash the risk of Alzheimer's. And we did this on the programme yesterday. The SAS death march, which went ahead because they didn't want to bother themselves with the red tape. This after three people died. The hunt for the widow who binned the rare Mac. There's £100,000 waiting for it. I think they sold it at auction, got £130,000. The parents calling for an apology. Their baby was cremated and there were no ashes. There's no ashes at all. Uh, The BBC boss, Danny Cohen, who said he'll act shows if the licensed cheats escape the, uh, the courts. And the shopper stuck in the jam at the car park, hit by a fan. Not so good. Fine, I do beg your pardon. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. On FM. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's five past six. It's Tuesday, the 2nd of June, the day the weatherman says the heavens are going to open, the wind is going to come crashing in, and then by the weekend it'll all be tickety-boom and have brilliant sunshine. Sounds marvellous. The toddler, whose parents both smoked, the father's got mental... Health issues and the place was an absolute tip. He's been taken away for his own safety for adoption. Uh, Britain's Got Talent in the doghouse, although I think secretly Simon Cowell is loving this publicity. Uh, the Hunt for the Widow, who binned the rare Mac. 
it's worth 130,000. They've got 100,000 pounds for it right now. Uh, it's not the dark you're frightened of, it's the night and the checkbook. Is it out? The Mr. May and Mr. Hammond? Who knows? You'll hear it first on LBC. Also, uh, this morning, uh, even Anne says it's easier to stroll around the workplace every now and then. Employees should be made to have more consideration for their employees who'd work with... I mean, I sometimes wonder whether or not... We've got so many gymnasiums around here. I mean, just walking up and down the stairs could be seen as an exercise class. I try not to do it that often. I do do walking up and down the stairs, but I'm not, I'm not particularly brilliant at it. Mario wants to know, on the mansion, what would be the yearly maintenance? Oh, good grief. Well, you're not going to need anybody. Um, the news has just come in. The former Liberal Democrat leader, Charles Kennedy, has been found dead at his home. That news has just broken on the television now. We'll have some more details for you in a moment. So that news just come in. It's uh, seven minutes past six. The former Liberal Democrat leader Charles Kennedy has died, aged 55, at his home in Fort William. There'll be an update on that in the news this morning on LBC at 6.30 with Lisa Aziz. And uh, Nick Ferrari will be covering that as well. We know that he'd not been well for some time but that news has just broken so you heard it first on uh, on lbc we'll have some more details on that in a, a moment we'll find some details and uh, i'll bring them to you as soon as we can so just to reiterate charles kennedy the former lib dem leader found dead at his home aged 55 and uh, other things on the story here the, the death is not believed to be suspicious cause of death yet to be confirmed the statement has been released on behalf of his family and they've said it's with great sadness and an enormous sense of shock we announced the death of Charles Kennedy. Charles died at home. He was a fine man, a talented politician and a loving father to his young son. And they ask that the privacy of the family is respected in the coming days. There will be a post-mortem and they'll issue a further statement when the funeral arrangements are made. No suspicious circumstances and further details on LBC this morning in the news with Lisa Aziz at 6.30 and Nick Ferrari as well at 7 on breakfast. So Charles Kennedy has died at the rather young age of 55. Other stories which are in the, uh, the papers today. We'll come around to the, uh, to the front pages. Uh, obviously, Charles Kennedy will make the front page, I should think, of, of every paper tomorrow. Uh, because obviously all the papers have already been printed. But if the family have issued a statement, I wonder at what, uh, at what time he, uh, he died. So we'll have some details on that a little bit later on. Um, views over London, Steve. Back in the 1980s, when I worked for the Express Dairy, says Kevin, I used to deliver to the three towers at the Barbican, and on a sunny day, I would pop out of the emergency exit on the 41st floor and admire the view over London from the helicopter pad. See, something like that makes me feel physically ill, I'm afraid. I just feel terrible about things like that. I can understand doing it, though. I, but I've, I've seen all sorts of uh, people you know, who have uh, who've climbed onto these buildings. And I've always been completely freaked out by it. Only three and a half hours to go. Khalid's on the way to Wales. He says, if your memory foam has forgotten how to support you at night, time to get rid. He said, before you decide on a metal bed, have a look at a Santa Maria bed. They're lovely. I tell you, I always fancy, always fancy a sleigh bed. Have you heard of a sleigh bed before? I think it's sort of a, it's, it looks a bit like a giant sleigh. Uh, but I, I've decided this time around I want to go for the biggest bed that there is. And I think that's super king size. I think maybe not super, just king size would be quite nice. Um, Rick says, apparently, uh, Tommy Boyd always used to do his show standing up with the aircon on. 
Yes, I mean, we, we have a thing, well, some of us do at LBC, where we don't like it warm. We don't like studios warm. We like studios that are quite cold. And so it's easier to work in a, in a cold studio. Uh, Malcolm says, I never worried about going to the dentist, but I was terrified of the doctor. You know what you're going for at the dentist, but you never know what the doctor might find. Well, that's why, as I pointed out yesterday, there have been a lot of people who don't go to the doctors. And they say that, you know, you should go. It's generally wives who push their husbands and they say to them, you know, listen, go and go to the doctor. I've always said to somebody, you know, especially people even, even in the office here. You know, and, you know, people have said, oh, I've got a little bit of a, twi- uh, you know, a twinge here or a little bit of a pain there. And I've always said exactly the same. Go and see the doctor. You know, at least it then puts your mind at, uh, at rest, because if you don't go, then you'll start guessing. We had somebody the other day who just uh, had a I think it was a, a lump on their leg. Well, by the time they'd been to the Internet, it turns out to have been a blood clot. So they thought. And uh, but it wasn't. It wasn't a blood clot. It's just that people think it is because you go to the Internet, you type in your symptoms before you know where you are. You've become sort of completely hype, overhyped on it. And you start believing that you've got every illness under the sun. You know, oh, I've definitely got a blood clot. Oh, that could be fatal. It could be this. It could be that. Uh, more on uh, Charles Kennedy coming up uh, very shortly on uh, LBC, who uh, collapsed and died at home. I don't know exactly when it was. Uh, the police were called uh, on Monday. So this is yesterday. They've only just released the news now to report the sudden death of a 55-year-old man. No suspicious circumstances, but there will be a post-mortem, as there will be. So this obviously occurred yesterday. At what time? I have no idea. An MP since 1983, Charles Kennedy, had previously taken the party to its best election results since the 1920s at the 2005 contest. His political career began, of course, in the Social Democratic Party, winning the Ross, Cromarty and Sky seat to become the youngest MP of all time at the age of uh, 24. People had um, been talking about the health of Charles Kennedy over the past uh, year. He turned up on a couple of programmes. He was quite clearly the worst for wear. And uh, whether or not that uh, contributed to his uh, premature death at the age of 55, I don't know. He was only on the television a, a short while ago, and he looked, he looked OK. I thought he was looking OK. That's always the worst thing, isn't it? So more details on Charles Kennedy's uh, death. Gary says, uh, sorry to hear about uh, Charles Kennedy. Met him once at a homeless meeting. In Scotland, world is a poorer place. Yes, I mean, especially at the age of 55. I always think 55... My father died at 55. And I always think way, way, way too young. You know, you've got loads more years in you. When I look at some of the people... Like last week, we talked to Jackie Mason, who's 84. And we talked to Jim Dale, who's coming up 80. You know, both as sprightly as you like, as you'll be discovering. Because Jackie Mason's appearing all this week. I think just for this week only at the Adelphi Theatre in the Strand here in London. And Jim Dale is literally next door at the Vaudeville Theatre. 12 minutes past six. Front pages of The Express today. House prices, they say, will soar to record highs within weeks. This is bad news. This is absolutely bad news. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who was trying to go through the process of selling one house to buy another house. And he thinks he's sold his house, so that's okay. But the second one's proving a slight problem. And people are now getting itchy feet because people go, listen, I want to move. And I, you know, what are we going to do? And I've always said to somebody, if once you get yourself in a chain and sometimes you hear of people who've got 13 or 14 people in a long chain, which can be a nightmare. It gives you the worst stress you've ever had in your entire life. They say either bereavement or buying or selling a property is enough to give you stress. So my advice would always be, it doesn't work every time for people, but my next door neighbours have, uh, have fallen through, I think, uh, about twice 
on their properties. And it, it does prove really stressful. The thing to do is sell your place, move into rented accommodation. But, of course, if you're carrying a mortgage over, that's not, that's not necessarily possible all the time. But then you can look around. If you haven't already found a place, then you can look around. Then you can find somewhere. And then you can decide what to do. And it's easier to do it without having to go through all the stress and the strain of somebody further down the line. I had it a, sh- uh, a few years ago, actually, now. And there was only six of us in the chain, but the third person down uh, decided they wanted a bit more money for it. So it then had the knock-on effect. In the end, you know, the solicitors got together and said, listen, this is stupid. We've got to sort this out now. Because I was quite prepared. I said, listen, I'm prepared to sort of, you know, donate some of the money to sort of, because so we can all move. Because otherwise you're all sitting there. Not so good. Mo says, if you buy a much bigger bed, you'll need to buy all new bedding for it. I know. I know, that's the problem. And Angela says, my sister has an empress-sized bed, which is six foot six square. I love my little simple Japanese wooden bed. Fits together like a puzzle. You can put your memory mattress straight onto it. Thank you very much indeed. It's quarter past six. With those headlines, Eleanor Noakes. Steve Allen on LBC. Well, again, for only 19 minutes past six, uh, we'll continue running through the front pages of the papers. In case you've just turned on the radio, the news has just uh, come in that the former Liberal Democrat leader, Charles Kennedy, has died at his home aged 55. He died yesterday. The family have requested privacy and uh, they're devastated at the loss. A fine man, a talented politician and a loving father to his young son. No suspicious circumstances. And the police have said the report will be submitted to the Procurator Fiscal. More details on that coming up at half past this morning, so uh, ten minutes away. Front pages of the uh, the papers at the moment. It's the Britain's Got Talent story, which is seemingly getting everybody going because she had three dogs that she's working. We've seen them before. We've seen the three dogs. And uh, one of her other dogs, who looks similar to the other dog, Matisse, and uh, this one here... Uh, walked on the tightrope. Well, it's sort of not really. It's just two bits of rope and the dogs walk across it. And uh, so Chase did that. And then people saying, oh, it's absolutely disgraceful. I want my money bark. And sorry, it's an old joke, I realise. And uh, and everybody else is going, yeah, but you've seen three on the programme before. She draws from a pool. So if one dog does, Matisse is the star of it. But then she's got Chase who does something. And I think the other dog pushes a skateboard or something. I don't know. Whatever it is, it's still appearing, I think, on the Royal Variety performance. Uh, the SAS Death March went ahead to save the red tape, they've said. This is three uh, young men who died, um, and they didn't cancel the march. They carried on because they said that to do the, the red tape would be too complicated. So uh, they died. It was, in, it was in heat. They were carrying, I think, 49... £49 packages as well. Uh, These things, uh, they are endurance tests. You know, there would have been quite a few people on this, I should imagine. Probably more than uh, 30 or 40 people on it. Oh, 78. 78. Of the 78 who started, including 37 reservists who started the march, another eight had to quit, most due to heat exhaustion. Ten referred for medical treatment. And uh, one of the families has said, it's awful, you know, we didn't expect to see our son on a on a mortuary slab, and uh, and they should have stopped it, but they didn't, and that story you can read in all the papers for today. Uh, also, Britain's top policeman, and a regular on LBC, Sir Bernard Hogan Howe, says that he was abandoned at birth by his father and grew up with the stigma of being an illegitimate child. And he talks about his uh, battle. He says, but his wife never complains about his long days. Um, I'll tell you what else came up for sale and I only realised it by looking at Country Life the other day. It was Margaret Rhodes's 
house has come up for sale. You remember Margaret Rhodes, or you might not, but we mentioned her on the programme on numerous occasions because she wrote a book. Uh, She was lady-in-waiting to the Queen Mother. And I think the book is called The Final Curtsy because the Queen Mother had taken ill and uh, Margaret Rhodes was charged with uh, sort of looking after her. And uh, the Queen Mother deteriorated and I think she was... I forget which house she was in. I think it was in Windsor Great Park. She wasn't in her own house. And so they'd moved her into Windsor Great Park and Margaret, uh, after the Queen Mother had died, went in there and and did this this curtsy. She said, the last time I would ever curtsy to the Queen Mother and then the Queen arrived and everybody else. But the house that Margaret grew up in, where the Queen was a regular visitor, has just come on the market for one and a half million pounds. It's a a three-storey Georgian house, and it's unusual in the fact that it's three storeys. Most Georgian houses are two storeys. Hers is three storeys, and uh, it looks lovely. And they've even got one there. I think she said their spare bedroom they call the Queen Mother's room, because I think that's where she stayed. So I only mention that because... It, uh, it just came into my mind. Remember remember Margaret Rhodes' book that I bought, talking about uh, her, and had some great pictures of the Queen Mother. They're a little bit funny within the royal family. They don't like books written about them all the time. They like to have an air of secrecy. And, of course, they did the television programmes, and then we didn't get the air of secrecy at all. Uh, the Metro running with uh, rough justice. That's the play on words. Rough being Britain's Got Talent. The SAS trio killed because of too much red tape. The Mirror, again, running with fake... Britain's Got Talent winner, you stunt dog. Well, it's not a stunt dog. It's very incorrect to call it a stunt dog. It's a dog that's featured on the programme. And he's not a stunt double at all. They they look similar, but when you look at them closely, they're not similar at all. The smoker's toddler taken away for adoption. Heartbroken couple lose son because the home is too smoky. Uh, No mention of them attempting to give up smoking, which you'd think would be the best thing. But uh, there are other issues as well, which you'll read about in the papers. And uh, Steve, everybody goes on, says Desmond, about the dangers of smoking, but equally dangerous is petrol fumes in and outside the car, especially ones you can't smell. They kill thousands of people every year. Yes, I can well imagine, well imagine, because uh, people don't think about things like that, do they? We we did when we had a petrol shortage uh, a short while ago. Uh, Nick Clegg has made uh, a comment on the death of Charles Kennedy. He says his untimely death robs Britain of one of the most gifted politicians of his generation. Charles devoted his life to public service, yet he had an unusual gift for speaking about politics with humour and humility, which touched people well beyond the world of politics. He was a staunch internationalist and passionate believer in Britain's role in Europe, yet he was a proud Highlander, Scot and British parliamentarian. He was one of the most gentle and unflappable politicians I've ever known, yet he was immensely courageous, uh, when he spoke for the country against the invasion of Iraq. He led the Lib Dems to our party's greatest electoral successes, yet he always remained modest about his huge achievements. Whenever I asked him for advice, he was unfailing, kind and wise. Most of all, I will never forget the pride and love with which he would talk about his own family, most especially to his uh, devotion to his son, Donald. My heart goes out to his sister and brother and to Sarah and Donald at this tragic time. Nick Clegg commenting there on the death of Charles Kennedy. 25 minutes past uh, six. Front page of the Daily Mail today. The Mail cracking down, winning a crackdown on the greedy NHS fat cats. The power firms ordered to stop making excuses and start cutting household bills. And the dog caught up in the fakery. But it's not really because the dog's featured on the programme. We always knew that there were three dogs. Uh, Also, England rugby star Danny Cipriani arrested on suspicion of drink driving after a a. 5am car crash the other day. 
He was taken to Fulham Police Station before being released on bail. Uh, police breathalyzed the 27-year-old after his £60,000 Mercedes collided with a Toyota. God, how embarrassing. A Toyota and a, and a Mercedes. God, it could have been something else, couldn't it, really? Uh, Cowell conned by fake Matisse. Even Britain's Got Talent boss fooled by the Star Dogs double, which is slightly misleading because Simon Cowell's seen both these dogs on the television. He was looking at them in the semi-finals. So not, not too much of a, a thing. And as he does own the programme, we are assuming he does know everything that goes on. Uh, Hunt, NHS has enough cash, now it must deliver. They're going to make a cutback at the NHS. They're going to make sure that there's going to be a cap on the amount of money that they spend on agency staff. There will be, there will be, um, a cap on it so that they're paying, because I think last year the NHS paid out something like £2 billion, £2 billion on agency staff. We were hearing, you know, stories of nurses coming from agencies who were earning £1,000 a shift. Ridiculous. Paulie Manchester says, I don't know what all the fuss is about the dog act. She never pretended, as you say, she only had one dog. It'd be like Norman Barrett making out only one of his budgies did the tricks. It would never happen. Talking of which, lovely to see him on the Palladium the other week. Yes, I agree with you. I don't know why people are making a fuss about it. I suppose they, they get a bit carried away like Simon didn't know when he was looking at three dogs the other day. Perhaps he thought they were holograms or something like that. Kevin the Milkman says, Sorry to hear about Charles Kennedy. My dad was uh, an alcoholic, died in his sleep of heart failure, aged 58. 58. That was uh, way back in 1993. And uh, also says, Jim, my dad lost his uh, battle with dementia on Saturday, 23rd of May. He would have been 81 on the 8th of June. But uh, now he's free. He's reunited with his mum. He passed away with a smile. That's the that's the best way, I think. That's the best way. Just about it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. The sad news at the end of the programme, uh, which we broke on LBC, that Charles Kennedy has uh, has died at the age of 55. They'll be talking about that on the news with Lisa Aziz. You can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like by downloading the LBC app. It's available for iPhones and Android phones as well, and you don't want to miss anything, do you? Coming up at 7 o'clock this morning, it's Nick Ferrari with The Breakfast Show, but next it's Lisa Aziz with The Morning News.